Okay. Uh, we're live. Um, <clears throat> clear my throat for a second. You might as well. <clears throat> okay. Welcome to the Minority Report, a podcast about minorities in cinema talking about minorities in cinema. This episode covers the impact of global cinema and the cinematic scores that we held dear over the years. All right, guys, welcome to In the Minority. My name is Chris. Marcus Collins. I'm Alex Salazar. Oh, Chris Olvera. I didn't know we were included last time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> welcome to our second episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so been on a little bit of a hiatus. We're all very busy people. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the news, I totaled my car. Mm. Marcus, what, what happened in your life? I uh, got a new job. I am now working as a fireman paramedic instead of just as a paramedic. And uh, it's highly enjoyable. You know, schedule's nice. I work two days and I'm off four days versus for 11 years I was working, you know, a day and off two days. So this four days off is really nice. I like it a lot. I have a similar career change. I am working the weekends now, so I work... Saturday, Sunday, Mondays, so I have four days off, so I'm enjoying a bit of a four-day weekend as well. And that's really pretty much all that's new for me, nothing really major to new to report. So in conclusion, my life's pretty fucked up, and yeah. it's going pretty well. Um, <laughs> what happened? Um, you know when you're driving and other people can't do it as well Were you as on the you do? Or like on the street? <laughs> I was on the street. Oh, okay. Um... <laughs> Come from another street, that street's work, and this car just came out of nowhere, and I hit it, and my car's totaled now. Their car's kind of fine. Um, Classic. It's going to be okay. I can't wait for the insurance people to listen to this podcast. (laughs) But, uh, they're like, yeah, he's going off. Um, yeah, but, um, it's okay. It's, it's going to work out. Everything should be fine. Um, yeah, we, um... Came together so we could talk about a certain movie, but before we get into that, um, I think there was a, a couple movies we missed out on, on the holiday season, mm-hmm. uh, that we really weren't able to talk about, um, so I guess we'll just like rattle them off and then, uh, see what we kind of think about them, um, before we get to the really big one that I think we all love, um, did anybody watch Aquaman? I did not. I didn't see Aquaman. Well, all, all that talk we did in the last podcast. And we didn't even go see it. I think, I, I think we strayed away because, uh, one of our close friends, um, you know, we, we kind of all have like the, uh, like same movie, uh, likes and stuff. And he was just oh, saying that it was awful. Paul didn't like it, right? And, yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, that's not the reason I didn't go see it. I shouldn't get, I shouldn't want to, I haven't seen a lot of movies to be honest with you, except for kids movies. I saw Lego movie too. Lego movie too. Well, that, yeah. Well, anyways, Paul, Paul's opinion like definitely like strayed me away from it. I think I even spoke to you about it too. And it yeah, like, a little bit. Did little you see bit. it, Chris? I watched it. Yeah, I did watch it. Um, it's a movie. It's like a certain kind of movie. Um, I feel like whenever people are like, I hate it, I completely understand everything they say. I, I understand that idea, but the movie is very much within its own realm mm. that it's like purposely bad yeah. or it's purposely cheesy. It does a lot of things on purpose because sometimes mm. the green screen's bad. It kind of 
makes up with the feel of like how bad the movie's trying to be, how cheesy the characters are, these really bad music interludes and montages that feel like it's plopped out of the eighties. And I think like there's castings of like Dolph Lundgren. Like why would you you know, why would you cast Dolph Lundgren yeah. in like a movie right now? Unless, yeah. you know, it's Creed Two. Mm. Um yeah, that was a reference. Which is a good movie. That was a reference to our other podcast. <laughs> do you uh, do you think that it's uh, do you see shades of the same thing with the new movie Shazam from what you've seen from the trailer? No, uh, Shazam very much looks like its own thing. From what I've heard, I think we can all be in agreement. Like the DC films after yeah. Nolan stuff has not been on a hot streak. Mm-hmm. They've been really they've been trying, but recently because um, I know Suicide Squad. They tried really hard for everything to kind of meld together, like Batman versus Superman, Man of Steel, uh, Wonder Woman, blah, 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 all this stuff together. Um, and then as of recently, you know, Suicide Squad wasn't that great. Man of Steel wasn't that great. Justice League didn't make that much money. I think it, it was, I guess, the new active president of Warner Brothers or the DC department said that right now they're focusing on all the movies to have their own movie. Which is good because, you know, you know Nolan... When he created the Batman movies, you know, his idea was to try to make it in a, a sense of realism. Yeah. Right? And naturally, most Batman stories are pretty dark. And then all these other DC movies... Actually, you know, Christopher Nolan created this genre for uh, dark superheroes because after that, everything needed to be dark. Like Fantastic Four, like the most hokey like comic book family. They tried to make it into like a serious dark movie, which is ridiculous. Superman, Right which his ideologies are completely different from Batman. Like, Batman represents, like, you know, darkness and, you know, brooding. And Superman is, like, hope and optimism. And it just doesn't make sense when, you know, you see Superman in um, Man of Steel, like, drowning in skulls. Yeah. You know, like, it didn't make any sense. It was just really dumb. And um, and so, like, you know... I think, I think <clears throat> you know, I think uh, Zack Snyder gets a lot of flack for what he was doing. But... I definitely, I can tell overall there's like a good passion there. So it's kind of hard for me to be like, you know, you're awful at this. Because it, it's, you know, he's definitely trying to do something. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Justice League, I I didn't think Justice League was awful. I'm probably the only one <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. But I didn't um, think it was awful either. But, you know, it just, I think the tone just didn't fit with that movie. And Zack, Zack Snyder's vision didn't really fit with, I mean, Zack Snyder made like a Dark Knight Returns movie. Yeah. Right. Like the the from the Frank Miller uh, comic, it would work perfect. Like visually, Zack Snyder can make a beautiful ass movie. Like because you remember in the beginning of um, Batman vs Superman, when the pearls were on the on the back of that gun, and it shot in slow mo. Like those shots are great. But as far as him, as far as like a storyteller goes, I mean, he's like, he doesn't put anything together very well. In my but mind. like the pearls on the gun is one thing because I remember like less than thirty seconds later he was being lifted out of a cave by bats. <laughs> like flying so um i guess my disbelief has been held for a little bit it's on the back burner right yeah, now yeah i remember seeing that and thinking like are they are the bats picking them up are they carrying them it didn't make any sense i felt like that was the perfect consensus to just be like oh <laughs> like this is what we're getting ourselves into did you like did you like batman vs superman yeah i thought it was okay i liked it better when i when they came out with like the extra hour of uh Screenplay, it was more story to it, so I was oh, able to the, understand it more. Oh, the Snyder Cut. Yeah, the Snyder Cut. It was a long movie. It was already a long movie, and they added another hour to it, and, and I understood it better, and I think I, it made more sense. I can't remember off the top of my head why I didn't like it to begin with, but I remember after seeing the extended version, I definitely enjoyed it more. I think there was just stuff missing. 
I remember there was a trend online for a little bit after they were talking about how uh, Justice League was going to get a Snyder Cut, and then it didn't. But now there's like a possibility. I don't really care anymore. I really don't Same. care. If it happens, it happens. Same. Um, yeah, um, about like the Snyder Cut, and there's like a an ongoing meme of like what the Snyder Cut of your life would have. <laughs> It'd be a lot of uh, uh, slow motion, cutting the fast, cutting the slow motion, cutting the fast, and that's just like me walking through my truck or something. Yeah, I know. It'd, It'd be, be pretty like... cool. Be me like dropping like a nacho bel grande on my lap, and just in slow motion, and cut straight to me like in a washing machine, just like depressed. And then I walk out as a homeless person jerking off away to my <laughs> onto my car, and it's just like man, so gritty, so real. Oh man! And then and... Snyder's a visionary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah. Um, uh, well, we're talking about Aquaman, but. Uh... You know, another movie, uh, I guess, that I saw, and I think we all saw it and liked it, and we'll briefly talk about it, was a Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. It mm-hmm. was yeah, it was really good. Easily. You saw it twice. Uh, I saw it three times. I mean, this, the... I saw it twice. I'm sorry, Marcus. Which is fine. I mean, I I, I have the soundtrack is... <laughs> in my in my truck, because, you know, it's like I talked about before. Like, if the score right is good... I got my house. Nice. <laughs> if, uh, if if the score is good, the, uh, uh, the voice acting that was great, it was funny... And, you know, I got chills multiple times. And it won at the Oscars. Yeah, so you got the Marcus Stanford approval. That's an Oscar-winning film right there. It, it really deserves good. it because... I feel like as soon as watching the movie, I was like, can this movie be nominated for Best Picture as well? It was really good. Um, yeah, it was So really I remember good. Beauty and the Beast was, like, one of the only movies to, to be nominated for Best Picture as well as Best Animated. I believe. I could be wrong. But um, it was definitely Best Picture. And people are saying, like, this could be the year they bring it back. They could bring it back. For best picture, and I think it deserved it. Um, it was really but good. But hey, I still thoroughly won. enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those movies that you could just watch over and over and just be entertained every time you see it. I mean, I I took my five year old and he loved it. Like, it's great. It was un- it was understandable. Vigo's five now. I'm sorry, four. Oh, He's okay. gonna be five in, in next month, this month. So oh, yeah, we getting old, man. Mm-hmm. Getting I'm just rounding old. them up. I got you. Yeah, but gonna be ten. I took, I took my ten year old. <laughs> uh, what was that? <laughs> that was the worst fake laugh I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Come on, man. Voted best life in high school. That was a real laugh. <clears throat> Genuine. Um, but no, like <clears throat> Spider Verse is insane. Uh that score by Daniel Pemberton. Um, all the voice acting, the animation style. Oh, oh the animation God, style. animation styles. Oh, Insane. so cool. Honestly, I apologize to like, I I really wish we could have just had a full on. That would have um, been cool one, yeah. Podcast on it. Uh, fuck it, we'll do it right now. No, but uh, <laughs> but like, I feel like it's just so late in the game to get all into it. But For man, sure. it, yeah. it is it is a great movie. It really and, is. Uh, Mershla Lee's in it. That guy's um, in everything. He's in our movie that we're doing today. Yeah. <laughs> and and he was also in. Uh, just won a fucking Oscar. He just won an yeah. Oscar, yeah. Um, for that white savior movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> wow, racism is bad. <laughs> Sorry. Did you see the Seth Meyers uh, skit? No, no, but I saw the. Oh my god. Have you is. seen the the Jesus and Meryl one? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, it was it's so, so funny. Good. Like, dude, remember when he's eating the chicken and he goes, "Were well, you still a stupid ninja?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was all okay. <laughs> You should watch These is the Maryland is pretty funny I'll check it out Even yeah. on Vice It's really good um, No but they Seth Meyers made a skit Where it was like a It was just like a black woman Like 
She does a whole mathematician thing, and he just gives her like another piece of chocolate. He's like, "You're welcome because I gave it to you." Yeah. He's like, "You're it's fine because I'm here." You know, I didn't see that movie, but I heard Diego Morrison was like a cartoonish character of an Italian guy. God, like, I hated him. He told you that. No, I mean, that's what well, I've heard. Because, well, oh. Alex and I watched the movie together, yeah. and we both walked out, and it was like, what did you think? And we were just like... So I, he, I know I know you, you enjoyed it a lot. I liked it. So, I didn't think Viggo was... So Viggo Morrison like, was kind of like uh, Peter Griffin when he got a mustache. <clears throat> Boopity poppy. Yeah, yeah. Boopity poppy. I, 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 like, I thought he did a good job. He didn't get nominated, though. I don't think he got nominated. Yeah, Viggo got, he, he got, got nominated. Yeah, he okay, got nominated. He's Viggo Morrison. He just shows up to the party, and they're like... What was this is a nicotine patch by the way? What was the uh, controversy with uh, Viggo Morton saying the N word or something? Oh yeah, he said that in an interview talking yeah, about yeah. like he was using it as an example. So why did, so why did they get mad at that? <laughs> it wasn't that, they didn't get that mad. I mean he get he got in trouble. And he he could have got he could have gotten a lot a lot more trouble. Yeah. But um, well, in what context was he using it? Was he just like he was using it as like, a story as an example yeah. about something? He's like, well, you know, back in the day they'd be like, hey, you stupid N word, mm-hmm. and he like actually used the N word, which yeah. kind of like. It's kind of like subtracting. It's counterintuitive of what you're trying to say. Yeah, exactly. Um, but either way, I know Mahershala Ali was just saying, like, you know, I know he didn't come from a bad place. Yeah. And... Look, this is my thing on that. Being a uh, being half black, at least, and well, I consider myself full black. I mean, my credit score is awful. So, and I'm a deadbeat dad. I have like a kid I don't know about him playing, and um, it's just it's just weird that it feels like anytime anybody's even like using that word, just like how he used it, like as an example, people get upset if you're not black. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, just kind of weird, but that's not a topic we're going to talk about on this podcast. But hmm. you know, it's just weird. Well, I mean, Liam Neeson <clears throat> got in trouble for talking about a time where he was. Who did? Liam Neeson. Oh, oh. he was talking about Cold Pursuit. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he. he but it's like we had talked about before. He should have not said anything. He should not say anything. Just, just, yeah, it was one of those. Chill. It was one of those things where it was just like, wow, it's so remarkably stupid to say. Yeah, like, it was just it's. It's insanely stupid. Like, I'm surprised like, he said it. But then, and then Terry Crews came out and said that he's glad he said it because he he was trying to say that it was good that people are coming out and admitting, you know, that they that they had those feelings and that. So I don't know. I I, I understood what Lisa was saying, but at the same time, it was just like, wow, how remarkably stupid for you to Yeah, that was that. that was an interesting thing to say. It was just yeah. I feel like that's definitely the best way to put it. Yeah. Just like that's a very interesting thing to say. <laughs> like that's a very uh, interesting choice of words Word. to use at this moment. Yeah, it's funny because like I could imagine like the interviewer being like, so uh, you know, uh, what was it like uh, shooting a film about revenge? And then, you know, he goes into his, like, story, and then the interviewer's just staring at him, you know, like... Uh, the interview is hilarious. Okay. When it's done, the interviewer just goes, holy shit. <laughs> and Liam Neeson looks at him like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty crazy, right? Yeah. Why was I like that? And the Why interviewer's... Was like... I think the interviewer's, like, shocked. It's like, I can't believe I just got that on, like, a record of Liam Neeson saying that shit. Like, I feel the same way. Um, okay, so, um, any movies we've seen that are probably, like, not that noticeable or maybe just things we saw in theaters that we're probably not going to talk about today really well i mean yeah I, um uh i had just saw uh fighting with my family about uh page and uh i mean you talk about like just like a legitimate feel-good movie uh i mean that's like the definition of it i mean i was watching that movie and uh i mean even my eyes got teary really and you know i got goosebumps a lot stamp of approval <laughs> goosebumps and um how's been fun great Really good. Like, like there was there was times where he reminded me of Vince Vaughn from old school, and it was just because was it funny? It was hilarious, and like like nothing was corny, because because you know when movies get you in the feels, but it's like really corny. Yeah, it can be like oh, that. Yeah, like like there was no um, like I never felt like man that that part was really corny. It just it just all made sense. Like it was 
And then, I mean, to me, British people are hilarious. Yeah. You know, so like her, her whole family was hilarious. I mean, it's it's a really good movie. Have I you, liked it a lot. Um, have you seen Brawl and Subblock 99? I haven't. That's with Vince Vaughn. You know you know what that is, right? Yes, I'm aware, yeah. You need to watch that movie. I want to check it out. Because I saw a little bit of Fighting With My Family yesterday. Um, I ran a uh, panel with a local um, wrestling chapter in town. And it was really about cool. it was about like fourteen fourteen of them showed up like it was like wrestlers referees like promoters and stuff and they showed up and after the movie was shown I just had a Q and A with them and we just talked about the movie and how like it affected them and it was cool we had to, we got to talk about uh, we were able to talk about Glow and like um, the wrestler and just like other films I still haven't finished watching that show on Netflix the first season yeah oh Glow it's know, great it's wait yeah. there's two seasons now yeah, yeah there's two seasons now yeah, yeah I haven't seen the second season but I really enjoyed the um, second season the, fantastic great great I'm gonna check it out and of course the wrestler with uh, uh, Mickey Rourke right? yeah yeah we were great just talking movie. about all those and they were saying like there's they definitely related to the movie on a big level and um, but yeah it's I, it looks like a lot of people are being affected by it. As especially, I've just seen people walking out of the movie that are so unlikely to go inside. They're just I love I love the film and I like wrestling, um, I, but I honestly, honestly, God, have not had any time to watch it. I was gonna watch it Tuesday, but I totally wasn't able to. I'm so sorry. That was a bad joke. I saw. Uh, <laughs> I made a joke about my car. That would have been that, totally. That would have been a great segue if you haven't talked about your car yet, and you got into it after that, but. We can edit it. We can make it sound like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll fix it. We'll just like gonna, totally, and then we'll get to that. It'll totally cool. gay sex. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like shit. Uh, Chris, well, how did it get there? <laughs> I saw a movie. I saw a movie on Netflix called Period End of Sentence. It's a. It just won the. Oh wow. Yeah, it was really good. Did you like it? I did. My wife. The reason I watched it is because my wife's heavily involved with the uh, Period Corpus Christi here in town, and uh, it's about period poverty. And that film, Period End of Sentence, won. Uh, best short uh, documentary mm-hmm. at, at the How Oscars. Long is it? Thirty minutes. Mm. Thirty minutes. It's a uh, really good film about about the issues, an issue that a lot of people don't know about. So I enjoyed it. I definitely recommend seeing it. It was done in a third world country, right? Mm-hmm. Third world country. I didn't know it was on Netflix. I didn't know where you can watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of theaters, which I haven't seen them do. Uh, they haven't done it in like at least our town out of all of them, but. Um, they do an Oscars short film run where they'll show all the short films in like a film, and it'll be like the like a it, bunch of them in a row. Yeah, but like all the ones that are nominated, they'll awesome. have them all in a row, and they'll show it like as a feature film, and you just sit down and you'd watch the movie. I wonder if they do that here, and we just don't know about it. I mean, they they like one they, of the others. They don't do no? it, man. They don't do it. I I've been looking for them. They definitely do it in bigger cities. Yeah, like, they, even San Antonio possibly um, does it. They do runs of it. But not not this fucking time. And it's kind of upsetting because I think, you know, short films definitely have a a way of talking to people in ways that you can't really do in a movie. Because there's some ideas that are way too small. Yeah. Or maybe way too topical to give an entire run to. Yeah, especially with something like this period of poverty. It's hard to, you know, it's a problem that's hard to talk about because mm-hmm. half the population really can't understand what the problem is because they don't have a vagina. But... It's still, you know, a powerful film, and uh, I definitely recommend it. I don't yeah. like the way you said vagina, though. <laughs> you really emphasized <laughs> up on it, but uh, vagina, yeah. But yeah, I, I did that part out. Yeah, I, just no. like cookie. Cookie. <laughs> but I don't know. I think we. I think um, honestly, I I hope that more theaters will screen short films because I feel like uh, we definitely live in an age where Black Mirrors is a big thing, and we're about to have like Twilight Zone coming back. Yeah. Like, people love short form. 
Yeah. People love short form. And I know, was period end of sentence a narrative or was it a doc? It was a doc. It was a doc. Mm-hmm. Which is great to have a, a short, yeah, a short like, doc. Yeah, here's the problem, you know, here's what's going on, and, you know. And people don't want to strap in. To people don't want to strap in to watch an hour and a half doc. <clears throat> yeah. They don't want to do it. And, yeah, um, for sure. Like, I, I saw two fantastic docs this week, which are which I'm actually going to probably talk about today. Um, oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's great to just have, like, a 30-minute outlet or, like, a 10-minute. And I've seen, like, shorts as, like, two minutes to do uh, docs or narrative short films. And I feel like if you uh, really give spotlight to that, um, and I'm glad that Netflix is a part of that. Uh, that was the last thing I expected. Yeah, that is really cool. And I think you hit it right on the head when you had said, you know, um, you know, some people really don't want to sit there and watch a documentary about something for about an hour, 30 minutes. That's why I had asked how long it was. And in 30 minutes, it's like, oh, man, it's, it's like perfect. Yeah. You know, especially with the... Because, like, yes, documentaries are great, but th- there's only a few documentaries that I can think of that were just so riveting to where I was actually paying attention the whole time versus... Because, you know, un- unfortunately, some documentaries feel like a uh, a lesson, like somebody's teaching you something, and you're just kind of like, you know... Well, for me... like People don't like to be tired. Right, yeah. I mean, look at me. And, like, my attention span is, like, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes most... But if it's something that's just riveting and I'm completely in tune, then, you know, 30 minutes... It, like, it oh, can pack yeah. a bigger punch, yeah, you know, because yeah. they only have a certain amount of time to, to tell the story. Yeah, I, for I sure. Agree. For sure, absolutely. You know, like, it's, like sometimes, like, I hear about uh, documentaries that are, like, really good, and it's a series. So it's, like, episodes of, like, you know, one long mm-hmm. uh, documentary. And sometimes I, 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 I hear those, and people tell me I watch them, but when I hear it's, like, a, a series of documentaries, like, it kind of feels like it's, like kind of daunting you know it's like a yeah, lot yeah it can be digested a little easier I can't I can't mm-hmm. do that I can't do the um, the TV docs because TV docs I agree with you it's it's so much content that they it run really they run out of pacing at a certain point you have to really be into it to to, to get Absolutely. into it yeah and I I definitely get riveted I'm like wow such an interesting story but there comes a point where they're like now we talk to the aunt and uncle that had like nothing to do with it at all and they're like we never knew about it and it's like you gave a whole episode to this aunt and uncle that knew nothing about yeah, it yeah, like yeah. you're just it's kind of what looking... happened with the Ted Bundy's films that they had the yeah. documentary series with that Kind of had the same problem as a bunch, but it's all the same information. Seems like a lot of filler. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, if it's something that I'm really interested in, then I could watch uh, a documentary about it for hours. Like, like a good example are those thirty for thirties. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. But those are different stories, though. Right. Well, I'm saying like you know, it's they're still like short form. Yeah, and yeah. those are great, especially if it's like something about a sport that I really like. I see what you're saying. You know, like uh, in in 2020, they have the. Uh, they have the whole documentary series of uh, of the uh, I think the nineteen ninety the nineteen nineties Bulls when they went uh, seventy two and uh, ten I think mm-hmm. I I could be way off which is fine but the like, documentary about that one though it it looks uh, and it's, and it talks about like unseen footage of like Jordan Pippen and everybody Phil Jackson like, all that mm. stuff to me seems super interesting, interesting yeah. like that's something I'll watch for sure yeah. even if, if it, I knew everything about it I would definitely watch that it's just interesting yeah I know but, the uh, the OJ. The OJ Thirty for Thirty series. I, I don't. Was it Oscar nominated? Oh, I don't yeah, know. It, was. it was. It was. I right? watched that, and it, it it was riveting. It was great. It was a good you one. You know, it was really good. One. I didn't um, know it got nominated though. What did it, it win? I don't remember. No, I don't think I don't so. I know Kobe won. That oh yeah, he year did win because one. he made that yeah. animation thing last year, right, or two years ago. What was that last documentary was about? The uh, uh, G, you and you and G told me to watch it. And uh, it was years ago, Alex. When we were living together in like, was 2012, it, it was about that Canadian uh, family 
that mom, the, the, that woman that killed... Dear the, Zachary. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wait, hold on. Don't spoil that. My friend has told me to watch that for a long time. It's a great movie. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been trying to watch it. I just found out a streaming service that is showing it. Okay. So I, I, didn't, didn't, I didn't really spoil anything, so. but nah. I was about to nasty. <laughs> yeah. So I think I said that because that's one of the rare documentaries where people had recommended it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's a documentary. But then I yeah. watched it and it was... Really, it was one of the best documentaries I've ever seen in my life. Really, uh, really good. I know that um, really great. Oh man, Dear Zachary was super. I know good. that my friend Heather was telling me like it is so immensely sad. Like, yeah, you need to watch the movie. Really well done. The way he the way he filmed it, everything about it. It, is it really will definitely well make you feel um, it's about depression. A, it's about the child's father, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's yeah. not like a dedication to the father. Yeah. Oh man, it's so it's, and it started good. off. You know, the way it starts off is not how you think it was gonna. You know. His intention when he starts filming the uh, the documentary is completely changed as you as you see the the video and at the end he explains everything and it's really good. It's definitely and I know this is a cliche example, but it is definitely like pure roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. for sure. I just saw another documentary. Um, uh, cannot remember the name of it. It's about what was the name of it. That means wasn't that good. Gosh. <laughs> we shouldn't watch it. I keep on wanting to say, uh, Vanish in Plain Sight. I'm sorry. It's called oh, yeah. Vanish in Plain Sight. Everyone's been talking about it. They've made oh, a no, bunch yeah, of memes abducted. about it. Abducted, abducted in Plain Sight. I apologize. Yeah, I, I've had some people tell me that. Abducted in Plain Sight uh, was an, uh, a documentary on Netflix. Everyone's been talking about it. They've been making memes about it uh, because of the, what happened with the father. I won't spoil anything, but um, it is a, it's definitely a, a documentary that you've seen. It's like a what the fuck. How long is it? It's about an hour and a half, I believe. I hate that that has to be a question sometimes. For documentaries. For documentaries, but, but, yeah, I feel like, but I feel like that's a question with every film, though. Like, so, sometimes you're just like, someone recommends a movie, and you're like, how long is it? Yeah. How much time do I have to dedicate to this? When you know you definitely have Most time. people that I've talked to, they, when they, after, they, after they start watching it, just the sheer audacity of flabbergastedness that you, as you're watching it, people want to see what happens in the end. I mean, it's... From the very beginning, you're like, why Why did these parents let it get this far? And uh, that's as much as I'll say about it. It's about uh, this family who is neighbors and the neighbor, neighbors with this man, and the man abducts their daughter, their youngest daughter. And uh, it just gets crazier from there. It really, it truly does. He was a master manipulator, I'll say that. The man that was uh, abducting this child. Man. And it goes all the way through to, uh, to when she's older. I watched a, um, and I'm not going to say what it was, uh, pertaining to the video I watched but it was about a documentary and it was just a reaction uh, a video because this guy at work was showing it to me and uh, the things I was hearing coming out of an old man's mouth was crazy yeah it's it crazy. was ridiculous I was like what yeah it's really what the, wow. a lot of what the fuck moments absolutely but another good documentary um yeah alright so um the films that I really enjoyed <clears throat> both documentaries. Um, I'm actually pretty happy we can talk about documentaries because I feel like that's not really talked about that much, honestly. Um, unless they're like the short form or like the famous Ted Bundy or Blackfish or, or something Blackfish like that. Blackfish was a good one. Um, <laughs> the two uh, I watched recently, which, you know, um, Netflix has a lot of great documentary things. Um, and I think HBO has a lot of good ones, too. Oh, absolutely. oh man, uh, HBO. Under the Giant one, so good. Their, their sports <laughs> ones are great, and their uh, Mommy, Dead, and Dearest last year was fantastic. They're about to come out with uh, with Leaving Neverland, the two-part yes, Michael Jackson series. One, yeah. um, I feel really upset, because I'm going to be filming this weekend, and that's when they're going to premiere them, so I just have it recorded, so I'm going to watch it later. I uh, I know a friend that actually got to see it in Sundance, the four-hour version of it. 
That's going to be on it's HBO. HBO is coming out in seven in seven in seven parts though. It's like yeah, seven yeah. hours, but chopped up into hours but hours, right? I think it's I think it's two parter. Two parter, okay. and each one is is two hours. Just in long. case, if um, it's crazy. If, if for some reason something happens with the recording, I'll let you use uh, the HBO Go and you can oh, see it that way. Dope. I appreciate so, that. No worries about that. There's uh, another documentary coming out about a guy that got. Never mind. Uh, one, one, one. <laughs> I can't remember. But the two uh, ones you said you just saw. Yeah, what? actually, I think Hulu's a giant right now in documentaries. Um, they have like a deal with uh, the distributor Neon, um, and then that company you're telling me about. Yeah, yeah, uh, Neon, and then um, so they came out with their documentary, uh, Three Identical Strangers. I saw that last night, which is about um, which was a big thing, I guess, in the '80s when it happened. But it was about two brothers that found each other. They were identical twins. They looked exactly like. Everything from like the hair to like their style, um, and then another brother came about, and there ended up being triplets, and he looked exactly the same, same style, same everything. And they didn't know each other. And they never knew each other before then. Crazy. But the thing gets weirder because they enjoy everything the same. They enjoy they smoke the same cigarettes. That is really crazy. They have the same taste in women. Um, they like like the same things. They like art. They like all these creative outlets. And they're you know they go to the ag- the parents go to the agency to figure out what's going on and from then on, it becomes a dark, dark spiraling piece of like, of a documentary that I it, it was it was very surprising and it made me feel really cold inside. But I can't wait to see it. I, 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 I you reminded me about it. I saw the trailer for it one time and I've been wanting to see it and I have nowhere to. I'm, do you know where I can watch it? Hulu. Hulu. Hulu, Hulu has it. See, when when you um, uh, when we were talking about documentaries earlier about being riveted, <laughs> and then you know some is just too much in your face, trying to, too yeah. much info at once. When you uh, when you were explaining the documentary you were just talking about, like I hear something like that, and that sounds super riveting because one thing that's so appealing about documentaries is that nine times out of ten, the information they're telling you is legit, like is real. And you're just like, oh man, this yeah. is this is existing in the world that I'm living in. And so you're so used to watching narrative films, like you're watching a, you know, even something that feels realistic. You're like, well, this never happened. Yeah. And um, with the documentaries, there's always the scary feeling of, of I can't believe this happened. See, like, yeah, exactly. Because when you watch a movie that's either based on a true story or inspired by a true story, I mean, what do we usually do after that movie is over? We'd look it up and see what was yeah. legit in that movie. And, you know, some of the craziest parts, like, let's say, Wolf of Wall Street, you know, some of the crazy things that happened in that movie actually happened. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's what makes it, like, like a lot more, uh, I feel like we're using the word riveting a lot. I feel like this episode should be called riveting. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, for sure. But, yeah, no, Hulu's fantastic. Another one that I actually think is better than Three Identical Strangers, it might not be possibly as compelling. It's going to maybe take you a second to kind of sit in with the world. But um, Minding the Gap, which is a, a Hulu original. I don't know if they bought it off of the people that made it, but it's a film about um, three boys that are skateboarders in um, Rockford, Illinois. And um, besides skateboarding, it's about them, like, kind of after they graduate high school, trying to get on with their lives. And some have kids, some are just struggling to get out of the city. Um, one is making the documentary. But like slowly uncovers this just whole past of trauma and abuse <clears throat> that all these kids go through, and like how skateboarding was their outlet, 
But, you know, because what I thought it was going to be was just a giant Spike Jones skateboarding film where he was just going to be like, oh, all these demo tapes of them skateboarding and then they're going to be like, life's hard. Love Spike Jones. But at, at the end of it, I was just so, like, I felt so complete because I, I haven't seen something that, that hit so close to home in a long time. Awesome. And um, to talk about abuse in a light that wasn't exactly soapy, that wasn't a movie that's, you know, someone has a black eye or mm. someone just like, I don't know what to do about the situation. Right. It's a very realistic situation. It's what do you do and how do you escape it and how do you learn from it mm. and how do you face it head on without, say, being violent in right. turn. It's a, it's, a, it's a great film. Both those films, Three Identical and... Um, three Identical. Three, three Identical Strangers and uh, Minding the Gap are both like one hour and 30 minutes. And, I really want to see both of them. Uh, you know, real quick, we had to talk about movies that we saw. Um, I'll make this really quick. Uh, and you, you got to talk about skateboarding. Made me think about it. That uh, Jonah Hill directed picture. Uh, mid nineties. Uh, did you see mid nineties? I did. Did you like it? Not really. No. <laughs> I, I thought. See, I still haven't seen it. I just thought it was super okay. See, and, and I didn't think it was like super great, but it was such. You saw a, it. Yeah. Oh, cool. It was such a nostalgia punch in the face. Yeah. You know, because there's like a lot of uh, uh, product placement in that movie. From that the 90s. that uh, even back to like cereal boxes where I was like, man, that brought me right back. So obviously I was a kid. I was that kid's age in the nineties. Yeah. Uh, you know, the main kid in the story, and it was just really cool. And obviously the music was great. You know, especially if you're a hip hop head. I gotta see that you one You know, too. it's it's really good. Um, yeah, the music the music was was pretty good. I I'm, I was big on that movie. I I want to mention one more movie as well. Uh, I saw Heartbreakers on Netflix. That was a fun one. It's a a New Zealand a New Zealand movie uh, about two women. It's not called Heartbreakers, it's called The Breaker Uppers, I apologize. It's called The Breaker Uppers, it's about um, two women who break up uh, relationships for a fee. So you come to them and you say, hey, I want to break up my girlfriend, and they'll be like, okay, this is what we're going to do, and they'll charge you, and it's a really funny comedy. It's a romantic comedy, kind of, between the two women that are in it. Uh, They're not uh, in love, per se, but their friendships and uh, uh, the main part of the story. I thought it was really funny. And uh, it reminded me a lot of the movies that uh, Te- Taikai Watiti did. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did, did he produce it? I, I think, think he, he produced, produced it. it. He produced it. That's actually really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think really that cool. was at South by Southwest. That like premiered mm-hmm. in Austin. It did. And uh, the main actor, the, one of the main actors in it, The Boy, was James Rolston. He's the one that did The Boy with uh, Takiti Watati. Oh, my God. Really? He's yeah, in he's that in movie? that movie. I've, I've always wondered, like, did he continue acting? He did. He did. That's great. And uh, he did a good job in that one. It's a lot of fun. I should I recommend it. I love the Breaker it. Uppers, not Heartbreakers. I apologize. The Breaker Uppers came out in 2018. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. Uh, I guess the one last thing I recommend is um, How to Train Your Dragon Three. Oh, <laughs> really good. Go watch it tomorrow. It. I'm gonna go watch it tomorrow. It's so good. Everyone's it's like everyone's crying. <laughs> it's immensely good. Um, I put on my I put on my Twitter. I put that um, How to Train Your Dragon is a better trilogy than The Godfather. Oh shit! The second one was amazing, dude. I didn't so, think it was. Well, Godfather Three was trash. Yeah, it was trash. So technically, I am right. And um, <laughs> technically, yeah. Yeah, but like, oh my god, I didn't expect my Twitter to get fucking lit up. People were fucking pissed. Oh yeah. And then the next day, I think I said something about like respecting coleslaw, and people were just like, "You're so controversial." <laughs> so <laughs> I can't wait to watch it. I'm gonna watch it tomorrow, actually. All right, just more serious matters. Get get into the big thing. All right, elite, elitist battle angels. Is this Street Saint James? Mm-hmm.
Oh, it's weird. I think James Court. Fucking weird. It picks it up. All right, guys. Um, so we were gonna speak about Alita, but fuck that movie. Yeah. I think we all liked it, right? We agree that it was, was good. Yeah, we, we was liked it. It wasn't bad. It. We all liked it. It was entertaining. I got what I want from Shout it. Shout out to Michelle Rodriguez for being in the movie. Yes. For a split second. And Robert Rodriguez for directing it. Yeah, or, good for you, Michelle. I don't know if James Cameron mostly directed it. I'm not completely sure. He is an asshole, though. Is he? Oh, yeah. That's the wrong one. James Cameron? Yeah. Oh, he's a super dick, man. He's a super dick. Is yes, he? I'm paying attention. Um... And he's, uh, I mean, he makes great movies, but I mean, he seems like he's pretty toxic to work with. I found out that he, uh, made, uh, the matte painting for the background of Escape from New York. Like the whole, oh, he did? The, the whole city landscape. He made that. He's an artist. But also, he's a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> but I also know he's also an asshole to everybody. You know, um, he directed probably two of the best sequels, uh, ever. What are those? Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. And aliens, but he's still a dick, though. He's still a fucking dick. Still you know? a piece of shit, man. He married Catherine Bigelow. Oh man! Did you know that? I don't even know who that, that is. I don't you know. Get on with Catherine Bigelow. Zero Dark Thirty. Oh okay. You still don't know. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Give, give me another one. Okay. Um, <laughs> hold on. You went. You you came no, in with no. a lot of confidence. Okay. Uh, I'm in the FBI. What is that movie with Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze? Um. Uh, and he shoots in the air. Shoots in the air. Hot Fuzz makes a joke about it. Point Break. Point Break. Point Break. Did you forget? Did you forget the title too? I forgot the title. Nasty. Oh, okay. I wasn't quizzing him. You were quizzing him? Yeah. I wasn't quizzing him. <laughs> you were just... kind of quizzing him. Yeah, it you sounded were... like it was sounded like that's okay. Man, I didn't know it, so. so. Okay. Well, if you remember, you wouldn't do anything. I've seen that movie. It's been a long time. Like, if you're upset, what would you do? Were we going to square up on the podcast? I mean, I'm talking to your asshole again. But overall, overall, <laughs> continuously, uh, I think we all agree that on the count of three, three, two, one, he's, he's still, still a, a dick. dick. I'll just say this one. I'm still glad I went with it. He's a dick. He's, he's a, a dick. dick. Yep. He's a dick. Moving on. Uh, we decided, but Alita was good. Alita was good. He said moving on. To something we wanted to do. Um, it's pretty fun. Marcus, tell him what we're doing today. So what we're going to do, if you guys like March Madness... Is not uh, that. It's not that. Um, <laughs> we have a bracket here of uh, 16... Uh, movie scores, and we're going to decide which ones is our favorite. And they're going to go up against each other. Yes. Until the final two. And we'll have you know short discussion on each, and I'm pretty sure that we will have a long discussion in the finals to really decide to us the Minority Report, Brown Brothers, um, what we think is the best. Yeah, score. we have about 16 movies. They're all spanded. Uh, some of them are a little more personal than others. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we're going to go in with a fair trade. Yeah, we, we each picked five that we liked, five movies that we liked. Not necessarily the greatest of all scores of all time, but something that we, we, we all enjoyed. So a, mix, a mixed bag of different scores. And if you have some scores that you think is better than ours, you know, totally write us in, let us know, all five people that listen to us. Uh, we'd love to <laughs> listen to it, uh, listen to your opinions. We'll do it again next year. Yeah. We'll do it next March. And it might be the same ones. <laughs> um, I'm not going to remember. <clears throat> okay, so uh, what's the first one, Alex? Okay, so I'll do a list of the movies, and then I'll do a list of the matchups. So the movies are Jaws, Lord of the Rings, Spider-Man, the 2000 version, I believe of the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Danny Elfman. Danny, thank you. Sam Star Rangers, Wars, Spider-Man. the entire genres. <clears throat> uh, Inception, Back to the Future, Grand Budapest, X-Men First Class. 
And I know a lot of people um, don't even care about that one, but I do. I like that movie. I'll and I think that. we should recognize, you know, Henry Jackman yeah. as a composer. He was Hans Zimmer's prodigy. Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, continuing on, Monsters, Inc., Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Phantom Thread, Creed, Mad Max Fury Road, Inside Man, The Terminator 2, and The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. And again, these are not, you know, the best scores of all time. These are just five that we each picked, and we all wanted to talk about it. So, the next thing I'll go on to is the matchups. <clears throat> so, the first matchup will be Star Wars versus Lord of the Rings. Heavy hitter. We'll just go straight into that one. We'll go straight into well, that we'll one. We'll just go straight into it right now, right? That's fine with me. That's fine with me. Yeah, fine let's just go straight into it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, yeah. so... That's already a heavy hitter. It's a Star heavy big one. It's a big one. Let's start off so the people will keep on listening. Start off with a big one. Just in case you didn't know, Star Wars was composed and scored by John Williams. Hold on, you have to be a dumbass if you don't know who composed. I mean, Star seriously. Wars. But just in case for that fourth person that listens and doesn't know, yeah, you know, we'll let him know. And also, Howard Shore scored The Lord of the Rings. One of my favorite trilogies. It's probably my favorite oh, trilogy. <laughs> so. I guess we'll talk about Star Wars first. Okay. So, Alex, what's your opinion on the Star Wars score? Score, uh, it's definitely iconic. Dun, 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 dun. So uh, you don't have to even think about it. Everyone across the entire world, doesn't matter what language you speak, knows it. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's definitely a big deal, and um, I thoroughly enjoy. It. I get goosebumps every time I hear it in the in the theater when I'm sitting there and I see the little scroll go down. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. So it's like Alex said, when like everybody around the world can hear Star Wars and know that it's Star Wars and uh, Star Wars is completely synonymous with my childhood. So when I hear John Williams score, it's essentially nostalgic to my childhood and it is a phenomenal score. And I feel like each piece is perfect for each scene that are in the Star Wars movies. I mean, even when John Williams uh, did the score for episode one and he did Duel of Fates, um, you know, something that was different, something that was new, but even Dual Fates from the weak ass uh, prequels, I mean, at least the Dual Fates is iconic and it's still great to listen a to. A lot of the music in the prequels are yeah, I mean, fantastic. It makes way the, better it makes than the, the movies themselves. Scenes, uh, better. Absolutely. I mean, it goes with the, uh, with the lightsaber battles. Absolutely. So it's, you know, it's definitely a great iconic and score. I mean, there's so many adjectives I could give that, but it's great. Um, you know the music before you know the movie. Simple as that. When you're a kid, you already know the Imperial mm-hmm. theme. Like, it, it it rings into your head every time you think of your parents when you're little. And you don't even know the movie. It's it's something that's always been a part of me. And I grew up in a different generation than I know you two. Mm-hmm. Uh, that grew up with you know the original Lucas uh, Lucas seventies eighties. And um, I grew up with the prequels. Mm-hmm. So for as far as I knew when I was little, they were fantastic. Like yeah. lightsaber fights, it's great. And I remember watching the originals, and I was like. You know, there's not enough, enough lightsabers in here. And you watch the, the the prequels, and I'm like, what the fuck I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, like, Duel of the Fates, uh, fantastic piece. And then um, the only thing that I think it lags in, I think the, the cons, is that if you also implement, like, Rogue One and The Force Awakens, like The Last Jedi, they're super recycled. Absolutely. They're super recycled. So you can say that it kind of lost its steam after a while. It's not being innovative. It's not, it's not changing yeah. anything up. Yeah. Yeah, like the Han Solo score as well. It's just it's not, that, not that crazy not that either. Different. It's not that different. Um, I would wish that it could have been more. 
um, a la Lord and Miller exiting. But you know, what what, what can I say? Mm-hmm. I got a that. question that you guys might know. Do you, do you know what the uh, score was during the last battle between uh, Darth Vader and Obi Wan Kenobi in the uh, Return of the Sith? Is it just Mustafar? Yeah, that's what it's called, Mustafar. Is it, is I think that's what it's Mustafar? called. Yeah, that's, I, I love. I, I can't remember it really well, but I remember. I love that scene, and every time I see, it, I remember playing in the video that's, game. That's part of that trilogy. Yeah, exactly. One hundred percent agree. Um, I love that scene. So, uh, as far as remembering a lot of the score, I don't remember that much in the prequels, but I do think that that was really cool. Okay, on uh, the opposite end. Lord of the Rings. Oh man, this is my favorite trilogy. I love Star Wars to death. It's my, uh, it's one of my favorite genres. But as far as a you know a complete work of three movies to that that go together, Lord of the Rings is absolutely my favorite. Um, I played the video games. I watched all the movies. I watch them every once in a year, and the score is incredible. It always gives me goosebumps. Um, the Bridge of Casadun was the one that we listened to uh, before we started this podcast, and oh god. It just brings you back to that, you know, to that moment where it says, you shall not pass. And I, <clears throat> I would say I'm kind of biased when it comes to the score for this one. I really think it's awesome. I'm 100% behind that one. So I'm on the same page with Alex. Um, you know, Star Wars was the reason why sci-fi <laughs> is probably my favorite genre. Um, but, you know, as far as the trilogy goes as a whole, um, Lord of the Rings is for sure my favorite. Um, one thing I really like about uh howard shore's uh score is that i feel like you know you could put it in uh put it on any time and it's essentially telling you the story of the lord of the rings so you know whenever they're in um, the shire you know they have a score for that uh you know whenever they're in mordor they got a score for that so essentially for me when i hear uh these scores from howard shore it's like i'm immediately taking back to those uh places and uh you know my favorite uh song from the lord of the Rings score is for sure the bridge of casa doom because there's three parts to it like the initial part is like the heroic part the fighting part and then right in the middle is uh you know facing the adversity of fighting that uh a bell rock and escaping um you know uh um the mines of moria and then at the end is the sadness with um Gandalf spoiler alert i guess but uh with gandalf <laughs> dying and everything so it's it, it really <laughs> it's comprised of three tones and that. that's, that's that's amazing that's really cool yeah and that's one thing i really love about howard shore's score so i'm definitely a huge fan of this score it's gonna be a tough decision well okay so disclaimer i've never seen any of the lord of the rings like ever none of them at all a little bit of the first hobbit movie but you know Nothing real. So all the words that just came out of Marcus's mouth just sounded fucking stupid. I have no idea. <laughs> he was uh, bridges. I don't really know. Bridges. Fucking guess. I, see, I don't know what that is. <laughs> like the what's the uh, what's a bell rock? I thought he was speaking Portuguese. My, <laughs> my, my ass. Yeah, um, wasn't completely sure. But I'm a huge fan of Howard Shore. I love all this Cronenberg work, from like Scanners to The Fly and um, all of those pieces that he did, mostly in the '80s and the '70s. Um, but I'll start off by saying Star Wars definitely swings the vote for me, mm-hmm. uh, just because it's such an integral part of like my childhood, and still to this day. It's a hard decision for me, for sure. I think I'm going to lean more towards Lord of the Rings, only because I like that trilogy more. I'm not sure I feel good about it, but I think that's where my vote's going to go. 
So, um, you know, uh, you know, Chris had talked about with Star Wars, you know, they're not really trying anything new or, you know, John Williams yeah. score is not very uh, new or innovative. But, you know, that's what you get when you get, you know, I mean, uh, it's like, what, eight movies now in the main yeah. storyline, the Skywalker storyline. So there could be some fatigue there um, with Lord of the Rings. Uh, I just I'm just going basically basically off what I listen to more. Because it's hard for me to pick, like, okay, is Star Wars better than Lord of the Rings? But it's but if, if I'm just going based on what I listen to more, I do listen to Howard Shore's score a lot more. So, uh, for me, my vote's going to be Lord of the Rings. Alright, I think that settles it then. So Lord of the Rings wins. It huh? pains me. Just like that. <laughs> pains me too. And I feel bad because I'm the one that gave the con. Yeah, you did. But um, you hadn't seen Lord of the Rings, so it was... Yeah, but I gave you the con differently. I gave the con for Star Wars. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and yeah. I guess that's what you, you get. shot. You, sh you shot your own your own horse. Well, I I, mean... I did want to look this up right before. <clears throat> Howard Shore did make the score for all the Hobbit movies, mm -hmm. and I not I may not know much much about uh, Lord, Lord of the Rings, one. but supposedly the Hobbits are just straight ass juice. Yeah, they're not good. Not a well, I mean, movies. I liked I liked the second one. There's parts of the third one that I liked. Like the well. Desolation of Smog is a fun watch. It's entertaining or whatever, but yeah. I mean, they're, Do you think the score wack. was recycled or did you feel like you it liked was You liked the score? Well, was that compared to the soundtrack? So, like there is a theme with Lord of the Rings. Is this recording right now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Like 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 there is a theme. When would I have stopped? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> like like I was really worried about to say some classified information. It's just recording right now. Um I mean, like, Star Wars has the theme, then, uh, as you know, a dun, da, 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 da. well, so does Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings has dun, 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 da, 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 da. So, essentially... Never that shit ever. Gets me, yeah. gets me going. Let's, let's go on Oh, it gets me going, yeah. So, yes, they do use, uh, they do recycle some of the same But stuff. it still works. Yeah. But, I, I, mean, I mean, even with those, even with, um... Yo, one. I don't even know what I'm complaining I know, but, like, like, like no, even... It's good to have all the Even when you recycle, because it's not necessarily a con, if you think about it. Because, yeah. Because when you recycle for something that we know, I mean, the, the, essentially, John Williams' score is integral to, to the movies, right? Yeah. So, like, Solo, when he, when he first took hand of the Millennium Falcon, when, uh, that part where they're, with the Parsecs part, right? Mm-hmm. When he, when he took the controller, and then it started playing the Star Wars theme, I mean... I got super hyped at that part. Yeah. What are you so, gonna do? Yeah. Let that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I set myself up for that one for failure. This was a tough decision. I mean, two heavy hitters. Yeah, I set um, myself up for Star failure. Star Wars probably would have beaten everybody else on this on this uh, list. That's what you get, except for Lord of the Rings. When you let your heart win. Yep. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, next one. We'll move on. We'll move on. Uh, okay, so the next one will be. How about Spider-Man 2000 versus X-Men First Class? The soundtrack to both of those. I'm sorry, the score to both of those. Okay. Um, okay, so I'll start off again. Um, for Spider-Man, I really don't uh, remember this one as much. Uh, I did like this movie. There's parts of the movie that I uh, of the score I remember, like uh, when he's when he's kissing Mary Jane upside down. That you know definitely had feelings for me. Um, but overall, um, this movie wasn't my favorite Spider-Man, and um, I really don't remember that much of the score, so I'm not going to mention too much about it. So, one thing that's important about scores is that uh -huh. you could hear a score and immediately know what movie it's from, and I feel like uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man has that. Danny Elfman did a really good job with that score, the theme song for uh, Spider-Man. You know, it's really good. And um, uh, also, there's uh, you know a lot of... You know, Spider-Man for me, when it came out as a kid, it was like the first 
big comic book movie I was really excited for because, you know, I can't remember if X-Men came out before or after, but... Oh, I'm, no, it came, it came out before. It okay, out. so first one. so that was our introduction, Alex, to, like, superhero movies. And, of course, when we were kids, you know, we loved it. I mean, look at Green Goblin now. He looks like a uh, bad guy from the Power Rangers, but, I mean, still, like, it was really cool. Now, as far as the score goes, I mean, yes, uh, I, I don't remember the score as vividly as maybe, like, Lord of the Rings or Star Wars, but I do remember the main theme, and uh, it's it's very enjoyable, and I could listen to it daily, so... That's what I remember about it, really. Um, yeah, Spider-Man. Um, the Spider-Man score has always been good. Because when you have to think about Spider-Man and also like Lord of the Rings and like Star Wars, it's a trilogy. It's a whole thing. And what I love about Raimi's Spider-Man is that I love the entire trilogy. I even like the third movie. Like, you know, it has its problems, of course. But I enjoy the fuck out of it every single time I watch it. Um, I, there's not points that have made me laugh before that I don't laugh at now. It's still extremely funny and still so full of heart. That's something that you can't really find anymore in, like, Marvel movies that are now. They're always super generic. They're chop shop. Mm-hmm. Move on to the next one. Chop shop. Let's make some more fucking money. Each movie was designed in Very a certain way. And uh, in a way, and I know because a lot of Spider-Man villains are form- formulaic, but I don't know how they push the bounds of making it more than that mm-hmm. with each one. Sandman, you know? Sandman in the third movie. Um, you have the one before where he's trying to... We have Dr. Octopus, played by the amazing Alfred Molina, uh, trying to harness the fucking sun. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that's a wild idea. And the second one, Sandman is like ex-convict. It's turned into literal sand. Mm-hmm. Like, what? This sounds like a five-year-old made this. And um, the music, for some reason, always just goes through... It's kind of like how they have the openings of each film where it's spider webs and they show you the entire movie before it even happens. Um, it feels like it's going through my veins when that's happening. I feel it. I feel the pulse. And something that's super important about even the first movie is that Danny Elfman didn't make this entire trilogy. He got in a fight on the first movie with Sam Raimi. Wow. And he, like, vacated uh, the third movie completely and parts of the second because he wanted a specific sound that he kept on trying to push out of Danny Elfman that that Danny Elfman wasn't prepared for. You know, and I know they're friends now. They make movies still together. But, um, wow. Like, had issues there? I'm extremely happy that he pushed them as much because then we get this fantastic score. Okay. Um, the next one is X-Men First Class. This one I know a little bit better. Um, we just heard it. Um, I definitely really... I, first of all, I like the movie. Um, I thought it was... I think this is uh, this one and uh, Days of Future Past are, are the best X-Men movies overall, in Easily. my opinion. Easily. Yeah. Um, no question. So, uh, the score for this one after I heard it... Um, I didn't remember it very well. Like Marcus said, it's a, what makes a good movie is if you remember, if you, you can hear it and recognize it right away. I can't say honestly that I knew it right away. I had to look at it, but I definitely remember once I did hear it and I knew it was X-Men, it brought me back to that moment of seeing it for the first time. And um, I, I think this movie is, uh, I thought the score was good. I I like it. As of right now, I think I like it more than Spider-Man, the Spider-Man uh, soundtrack. Okay, so I like X-Men uh, First Class very much. You know, James McAvoy uh, was great in his Professor X. And, um, I mean, the cast is great. I love it. But just unfortunately, the score is not very memorable for me. Um, it's uh, Obviously, it's a good score. I do like it very much. Um, that doesn't make any sense what I just said. Who, who, yeah, it's who, just... was, the, uh, who was the guy that did the score for this one? It's uh, Henry Jackman. Henry Jackman. Oh, okay. So... <laughs> First of all, I have to give credit to Henry Jackman real quick, okay? Because he scored Uncharted 4, uh, the video game, and Uncharted 4's score is one of the best 
scores for a video game ever. That'll be the next March Madness video game scores. But now, <laughs> going for back as X Men, um, uh, I mean, obviously the, the score was good. It's just not very memorable for me. Now, maybe because I've only seen the movie a couple of times, and I do like the movie very much, but um, there's just not much I could elaborate on. But I can definitely mm-hmm. give high praise to Henry Jackman. He's definitely, uh, to me, very underrated as a uh, as a uh, composer for movies. Hmm. No, I'm kidding. It's like, hmm. <laughs> you really, uh, you really out here, huh? That was a well timed. <laughs> no, but uh, no, X Men First Class. Uh, this is one of my picks that I I picked. I love X Men First Class so much. Uh, I think it's the best um, X Men movie. One of the best superhero movies. Um, Mostly for Matthew Vaughn, not gonna lie. I'm a huge fan of Matthew Vaughn. Kick ass. Flames. Kingsman. Flames. Uh, Stardust. Like, he's killed all these films in really good. super creative ways. And he knows how to balance these tones that you're like, should I be laughing at this? Yeah, I guess I'll laugh at this. And, you know, even when he exploded heads to, uh, in Kingsman. Yeah. Or when he had, like, a 11 year old girl chopping up people's body parts in Kick Ass. Like, it's hard not to smile when you watch those scenes. And it's something within it. And Henry Jackman's been behind him for each one that he's done. Awesome. And, you know, X-Men First Class, I, you listen to uh, Magneto, which is such a powerhouse score that's so... It feels demented when you... That was a great when score. When you listen to it, it's the doodun, doodun, doodun. And then earlier in the film, you get something like um, like Frankenstein's Monster, which is an early iteration of uh, Magneto. And... It's it slowly creeps up on you because the scene the way this the scene is built is so tense, and he's slowly using his machismo you know strength that he has, but he's also he's stabbing a guy with a knife, but he used his you know his powers to grab the knife with his mind, and he just he's using it. And for a second, you're like, I believe that this is actually happening. Yeah, it's so stupid, and like, but you love it, and then like X Men First Class, its main theme for the class has such an a- academic sound to it and like like the the pomp and circumstance and um for that I don't know how it made me fall in love with like listening to just like academic scores but I loved it um yeah that's my piece on excellent first class okay um I think it's time to vote I'm going to vote with my gut I'm gonna go with x-men first class uh I was going to vote for spider-man Spider-Man. Spider-Man. But listening to uh, Chris talk about um, X-Men's First Class score, I was convinced. And plus, if I had to choose to listen to Danny Elfman or Henry Jackman, I'm picking Henry Jackman alone. I will say, if I was on the fence before, which I wasn't, but if I was, you would definitely push me over the edge. So yeah, I'm definitely going with X-Men First Class. I'm glad that my choice won, but honestly, I was going to pick (laughs) 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 Spider-Man. You just, just, just don't want to win. Uh, uh, oh my gosh. Now first class has to go up against Lord of the Rings. We'll get back to that soon. But like... Okay. I'm glad that it won. Well, you've convinced me so much that literally when I go home today, I'm going to want to listen to X-Men First Class. I went the to, score. Uh, I went to Waterloo Records in Austin and... Um, another big point is that I didn't know they put First Class on vinyl. And I'm such a big vinyl collector... And my friend brought it up. He goes, "Did you see this?" And it's like done on a metallic, on a, like on, on a metallic silver. That sounds like, like, like it's supposed to be like adamantium or something. Yeah, like, like it's supposed to be like like you know the steel like Magneto's helmet. Helmet. Inside. Oh, helmets. Okay. And like it was, I was just like, 
I have to buy this immediately. I had like three vinyls. It was the price of three different vinyls together, but I was like, I don't care, I'm buying it. How much was it? It was like it was like fifty, like Worth? forty or fifty. Worth? Like you can't find it online anywhere. Like at least at that time period. I looked and I was like, shit, I guess I gotta get it. Mm-hmm. And just letting you know, Danny Elfman Spider Man is not on vinyl and that's a really big upset. So Alright. Alright, so we, we went with X Men first class. Uh it beat out Spider-Man, it's moving on. It'll face Lord of the Rings in, uh, I believe, the, the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get back to that later. Okay, so we're moving on to the next matchup, which is Monsters, Inc. versus Jaws. <laughs> this is not... We're going we're gonna to talk about it like we talked about the other one, but I think we all know what... Uh, how we all feel about it. So let's talk about Monsters, Inc. first. Yes, let's talk about Monsters, Inc. first. Um, okay, so Monsters Inc. When I, uh, before we started this podcast, I listened to a little bit of part of it. I knew it I, when Chris first mentioned it. He said it had a jazzy feel to it, and I I remember that. I remember this is one of my favorite Disney movies. I watch it all the time with my son. It's definitely got a lighthearted, you know, you know, you know it's gonna be funny. You know it right away. You know it's gonna be funny. You know you're gonna have a good time. Uh, this movie has uh, Billy Crystal, one of the best comedians of all time, and uh, John Goodman. Uh, you know, seasoned actor. They were such a good pair in this movie. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed the score. I, I'm glad that we, we talked about it. I'm glad we got to listen to it. But it's also going against Jaws, so I'll leave it at that. For <laughs> right now. Just, like, honestly, Jaws. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I, uh... it's, it's, it's done by Randy Newman. Or, no, I'm sorry. That's the album. No, 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 Randy Newman did he it. He did the whole thing. He did the whole thing. Okay. okay I, he's a, I, he's a, I'm a big fan. I'll say that. I've heard one song from the movie you've never seen monsters inc i've seen it but i don't remember the score very well but i saw when it first came out a long time ago the first one i think they kept the sub i think they kept the 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 tone yeah okay. it's kind of the same thing yeah. as the second one i totally forgot there was a second one until yeah you it was, it was, yeah it was like monsters i just saw the University, first one a long time which is ago which also a con for it besides i don't know it going up against jaws <laughs> yeah but, um, um we're trying to give it its best shot yeah it's monsters inc is swinging for the fences it's a dark horse in this race i unfortunately can't really elaborate much on it so i'll just say that with the song that i did hear it did make me feel um happy and uh it was cool and uh, I'll just, I guess, unfortunately, that's all I got for it. You so. bob your head to it, for sure. Go, it's, a, it's a definitive head bopper. Yeah. Yes. Um, I was saying earlier, like, whenever I get into my car, I'm like, I don't know what to play. Like, usually I'll play, like, I don't know, Angel Russian Trap <laughs> or <laughs> some weird thing I find online. Um, but when I don't know, I usually just go straight to Monsters, Inc. Because it's just... It's, it's, it's like I'm driving a toy car. I'm a fucking clown. Like it's, I don't know. It's it's so much fun, and I love Randy Newman's score. I I know I also can't shake the Family Guy impression of him. <laughs> Randy Newman, <laughs> pretty girl eating an apple. <laughs> um, yeah, but Jaws. Yeah, good good try, Monsters. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about. <laughs> let's talk about. It. Let's give it a fair shot. Uh, so Jaws is. Uh, super iconic. You can't. I mean, anybody that hears the, dun, 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 they do it all the time. Everyone does it all the time in the every time you go to the beach. It's uh, it's very American. I feel very American when I hear it. Um, it's just incredible. It's just a cut. It's just what. It's just two uh, two beats. Dun, 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 and you know what a, it is. Just a rusty trombone. Yeah, and uh, it's it it scared. All of America, so I think that alone 
uh, for me, I'm going to say it right now, Jaws as well, is an incredible score. So uh, I can't think more of a score to where I hear it and I immediately know what it is. And that's going back to when I was like five years old. Yeah, when we're little. When I hear doo doo I know it's about a great white shark and I'm scared and I'm nervous. And I think that you could play it today to a kid who's never seen that movie. And I'm pretty sure he would understand like, oh, this is about a great white shark. So, I mean, easily. I mean, I'm, Jaws put John Williams on the map, I'm sure. And from there, he just flourished. But I just can't think of a most uh, iconic score. Yeah. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Y'all said, y'all made the points I really wanted to make. Um, I love Jaws. Jaws is one of my favorite movies ever. Um, I love it to pieces. And that score is just so iconic. It's literally only grouped together with Monsters, Inc. because they're both considered monsters. But that's uh, still a super unfair. It really is. Like, it's super unfair. And I feel bad for it. I guess the only con I had towards it is that you said when you listen to it, it makes you think of America. Mm-hmm. And usually whenever I hear of people being like, this makes you think of America, I'm like, ah, oh, uh, racist. Right. Like, I'm like, <laughs> no, it's just, it, you're right. It does, it does, uh, it does have that feeling to but, it. But it is true. Like, it's the ultimate, yeah. like, summer... The USA movie. Yeah. It's a it's a summer it's a summer uh movie. I have a shirt a beach movie. I have a shirt that says here's to swimming with bow legged women <laughs> which is one of the best lines from the movie. I went to a bar and I wore that and some drunk guy some drunk guy was like, I love that band. That's how good Jaws is. It makes people think that Jaws is a band. <laughs> Jaws wins. Jaws wins. I mean we put we didn't do it on purpose, but we, we since we didn't, uh, since Star Wars didn't win, I'm glad at least one of uh, John Williams' movies moving onwards. So Jaws wins, pretty handedly. It was a, it was a domination. Oh well. Sorry, Monsters Inc. Sorry, Randy Newman. Okay, moving on. Uh, the next group of movies that we were going to be going up against each other is Back to the Future and The Terminator Part Two. Okay, so um. We'll start off with Back to the Future. Um, I'm a big fan of Back to the Future. Huge fan. Uh, I have to say that it's very icon- the, the soundtrack is very iconic. Uh, dun, 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 dun. I mean, it's complete adventure. It's uh, I'm super biased. I'm having a hard time finding words because I feel like I'm very biased with this one. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I've watched it over and over and over as a kid. Um, not just the sound, not just the score, but the soundtrack. I mean. Huey, Huey Lewis and the News, they, they did the, the, the music for this for this movie as well. And uh, I know a little bit about it. I know that uh, Robert Zemeckis said wanted them to be uh, a part of it. You know, and he said you did, the music that you come up with doesn't even have to be, uh, doesn't even have to have, uh, you know, Back to the Future in the title. So they said, well, we're working on a song right now called uh, 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 The Power of Love. Sorry, The Power of Love, which is an awesome song. I love that song, and it works surprisingly really well for the movie it's uh it's it, it does set the tone for it but i'll go back to the score the score is incredible even even the little the little sound bits that, that you, they have in the movie you know whenever something you know magical or, or unexpected is about to happen throughout the entire series um it really works it really brings me back home i thoroughly enjoy this movie so i think everyone knows who i'm gonna pick but i will give the terminator to a sportsman good chance 
All right, so uh, I recently saw Back to the Future last year for the first time, and that is definitely a movie that uh, holds up because I was a 30-year-old man watching that movie that came out in the 80s, and uh, the 80s movies were known for just, just being corny. Like, corny's 80s is a thing. And uh, I really enjoyed it, and I also uh, really remember the score, and the, the score is very memorable, and uh, I really liked it a lot. Um, uh, did Alan Silvestri do that score? Was it Danny Elfman? Who did that score? Silvestri. Oh, Silvestri. Okay, so that was... That was a, it was a great score, you know, it, it, it like really gave you like the sense of um, uh, adventure and uh, made you feel young, made you feel like a kid. It was, it was a great score. And obviously the, the clock tower scene uh, at the end was very memorable with the score. And um, so it was like really good. It was really cool. I liked it a lot. Mm, yeah. Um, back to the future. <laughs> Um, yeah. Back to the Future. I've always liked Back to the Future. I thought it was very white. <laughs> I, like, I remember the first time, like, especially with a song called Power of Love, like, give me a fucking break. But, like, yeah. no, but the score's really good. Like, um, was, we were just talking about it earlier. The movie that came out this year. Ready Player One. Oh, Ready Player One, yeah. Ready Player One. Not too crazy about that movie at all. Um, wasn't a huge fan of it. But ultimately, um, I did like it. I did like the the little moment it had where they had the Zemeckis cube and he had to solve it and it went back in time and you hear that little doo -doo -doo -doo, and yeah. it goes like completely back in time. Loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, but yeah, um, that's Back to the Future. But uh, Terminator 2. Okay, so Terminator 2 uh, definitely has uh, an iconic score to it. Um, we were talking about dun -dun 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 -dun. it definitely sets the tone. Uh, it's an awesome movie. And... Um, it's one of the best sequels of all time, easily. Uh, so, I definitely love the movie. I definitely like the score. And I, it's very recognizable to me. Um, and it's cool. And it, in the score, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, the, it's a different... I don't remember exactly what it is as Arnold Schwarzenegger's character is going into the lava. But I think it's the same score. Da -dun -da -dun -da -dun -da -dun, right? Like, it's the same main theme very awesome ending to a movie one of the best endings to a movie heartfelt uh had to be done um so the thumbs up at the end was really cool uh i enjoyed that movie very much and the score is good as well so um i think it's really important with anything in life uh is tone right so like let's say you're on a date and the tone from the beginning is great and then everything seems to just work out and I apply that same type of logic when it comes to movies and movie scores. So in the opening of Terminator 2, uh, you hear that iconic score and you know what you're in for. You know you're in for this great uh, uh, apocalyptic uh, sci-fi adventure. And I think that the Terminator score really does um, make that really well known right from the jump. So I'm, uh, I really do like that score very much. Terminator. Mm. <laughs> oh, I like Terminator too, but once again, James Cameron's a dick. No, he's a dick, man. <laughs> he's really bringing this whole this whole genre I mean, down with. No, no. Who, but, uh, um, who did the score for this one? I know. Earlier we were. Uh, here we just saw his oh, name. We just saw his name. Forgive us. We thought it was James uh, Brad Fidel. Yeah, that guy. I don't know. What else has he made? What else is that guy? Made? Well, let's Google him. I'll Google him on my phone. Okay, well, Terminator 2, uh, I've always liked the score, I've always liked the movie, but yeah, that doom, doom, 
Mm-hmm. It's good. It's it's super memorable. But honestly, to me, it's probably as memorable as Back to the Future. I think the Terminator 1 score is a little more close at home to me just because it has like a horror feel to it. Yeah, it does. And um, the next movie is very action-based. And it's still very cool, but I love the fear the first one gave to me. Especially with those bad... The like the the claymation almost uh, animatronics of like the Terminator coming down the exoskeleton. I remember watching that. And I was like, I'm so terrified of that thing. And the second one, they really, uh, I guess, make it a little more casual. <laughs> like, yeah, just an exoskeleton made of metal. <laughs> and uh, but you know what they do both have in common? They're both really bad trilogies. Uh, overall, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, shoot, each the, third movie. Back to the, the Future. Push. The first one's the better one, and then. And the Terminator 2, the second one's a better one, and both the third ones are are not good at all. <laughs> I would go with um, Back to the Future, some family fu- family fun. I love Back to the Future, obviously. That was very abundantly clear. I'm going to pick Back to the Future. I think it's a sweep. I'm going to go with uh, Terminator. No, I'm playing Back to the Future. <laughs> Back to the Future wins. It'll be facing Jaws in the, semi-fi- in the, in the quarterfinals. No, I think it's the semifinals. Then it's the quarterfinals. This oh, no, the no, quarter- no. Quarter semi. No, 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 it is a quarterfinals. You're right. You're right. You're right. Sports. Um, I don't know I sports ever. I have an idea. So I think us naming each reason it might be taking a little long right now because I think we're at sure like almost forty minutes now. Mm-hmm. It's just like, who do you got? Okay. And I work off of that. Okay. Okay. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. So we just pick one and then we just pick one and then we go off like kind of debate about it. Okay. Okay. Is that going to be a problem? Should we redo these ones? No. Nah. Okay. We, no. I mean, we, we would have chose the same one. We'll just one. say that we switched it up. Okay. All right. So Switch uh, up. The next, the next uh, two movies that we're going to go up against each other are Inception and Creed. And uh, we're going to switch it up a bit to uh, speed it along, for lack of a better word. Or... Yeah, we didn't think it was going to take that long <laughs> to get those eight going. But we've already spent 40 minutes doing just this part. So, um, who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Inception on this one. I just, I love that movie. Or, the pace of it. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. Who do you choose to fight for? I'm choosing to fight for Inception. Okay. Who do you choose to fight for, Marcus? This is a tough one for Marcus. He loves both these movies. He might need a minute. Why don't you go first, Chris? Um, I'll go with, um, you know what? I'll take, I'll take Inception. Inception. Marcus is uh, wanting to go in the corner and cry. Hey, you have right to take now. it, man. We already got these two. You got to, you got to at least fight for it. I'm gonna fight for Creed, man. Just like gonna... Creed fights, I'll fight for Creed. Wow, wow big surprise! <laughs> <laughs> he said that. All right. Um. So real quick, uh, I'll say that I, I'm going for Inception because, uh, I like that movie better than number one. But the tone of the of the the the, the, the tone that the score sets is very. It stresses me out, and I think that's uh, uh, important. Um, it's one of the best. Han, Hans Zimmer is incredible. It's one of the best heist movies. Like, yes, and that's something that's not people don't yeah, really think it's about. Heist it's yeah, a heist right. movie yeah. inside someone's mind, and it's a fantastic heist movie. One of the best that have came out. It has a heist tone to it. That's, you know, yeah. last time we talked about Widows, another great heist movie. Um, you know, Baby Driver, which is not extremely about, you know, a heist, but it's about heists. And about that idea, and like what I love about Inception is that it recontextualizes it, and then like Hans Zimmer score just like plows straight through that with the absolutely use of drums, use of bass. I like Creed. Um, it's a good movie. I don't really know that much about the soundtrack, but I uh, I will say that um, I think that Inception is better. Soundtrack is better. Um, so you know, with Creed, all right. Um, let me just preface this by saying that like Inception created. 
and it's iconic. But I'm going to fight against that because I will say for Creed, when you watch a Rocky movie, right, you want to be motivated. Like, you want to feel good leaving that movie. Uh, uh, and, and and when you listen to the Creed score, essentially that's just how you feel. Um, I I used the Creed score when I started exercising and I lost 95 pounds. I listened to the Creed score more than I did the Hans Zimmer score for Inception. I can tell you that. Um and when they and Ludwig did a really good job of of, of doing something new, uh, uh, creative uh, 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 for Creed, and still interjecting some classic Rocky scores into that, it just worked seamlessly in the movie, and it was perfect. I mean, you talk about just getting a, a full body of goosebumps, especially when you hear that "If I Fight, You Fight" song. It's so motivating, and also when you listen to the song itself, it interjects. Uh, uh, dialogue uh, from Sylvester Stallone into that song and everything just mutes out and all you do is hear Sylvester Stallone talking and it is absolutely incredible and it's easily one of the best scores I've ever listened to that being said I'm just fighting for it I mean still... it. you know you made a good point for uh, for Creed diet you should yeah yeah no I no I love Creed I yeah. love the Creed score I know you and I've talked about it numerous times love and also like we talked about it in the last podcast about yeah. how much we love Ludwig uh, Oscar winner now. Holy Which shit. Which is awesome. Right? We haven't well talked deserved. about that actually. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, but like, won an Oscar for Black Panther. Yeah, I did not expect that. Super happy that Black Panther won, even though this year had a lot of great scores that were not included. But, um, you know, the Creed score, yeah. Uh, if I fight, you fight the rising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it just it, it hits you so hard from the beginning to the end. Um, I love Creed score. I can listen to it all the time. Mm-hmm. With that being said, Inception, mm-hmm. like. It's the simplistic simplicity of it. And when you get to time at the end, yes, it tears you apart. Honestly, I will say uh, Hans Zimmer is probably one of the... His catalog of movies is like a scroll. It's, it's almost endless. And he's done so many iconic movies. But I think Inception, the score is his magnus opus. I like that. I'm going to write that down. Magnus opus. Okay. Beautiful thing. Inception? Inception, Inception. wins. It's his best piece. Easily. In my mind. I, I like I like the Dark Knight, but it, we're not doing that. We're not going with that. <laughs> okay, so the next one is Shawshank Redemption, and the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Uh, okay, so we're uh, I'm gonna go for Shawshank Redemption on this one. I'm gonna go for Shawshank Redemption. Good, bad, and the ugly. Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. Also Chicago. The, not gonna lie, but also for the point that I haven't, I haven't seen Shawshank Redemption in its full entirety. I've only seen it in parts. Has kind of like a Titanic feel for me, where it's just like it's really good, but I'm only gonna watch this in parts. I'm not gonna watch through its full thing. Okay, so here's my argument for uh, Shawshank. I, I we just heard the uh, the soundtrack for it before we started, and uh, man, it's it's incredible. It, as soon as you hear it, I think of uh, oh my god, what's the Andy? Andy standing in the middle of the after he escapes from the middle of uh, he's standing in the middle of the field and it's raining. He's looking up and. When you see that, you feel like you got out of there. It was so, it was one of the greatest movies of all time, in my opinion. Oh, easily. Um, the story, the way the story is told, the acting. Uh, Rewatchable as hell. Well, I love watching it. It's love it's Shawshank a, Redemption. It's a great um, revenge story. It's a great uh, triumph uh, triumphant story. I think it's the best Stephen King adapted movie. Oh yeah, yeah, adapted for movie? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for mm-hmm. sure. There's not a lot. That's very. There is a lot of. Stephen King adaptations that are good that are that are considered some of the greatest of all time, and that's that movie is that movie is constantly up there with greatest movies of all time. Yeah, top ten. 
I guess that's true. Um, but yeah, um, the only other movie that I could think of from Stephen King that I liked as much as that was uh, the Mist. <laughs> I like um, the Broken Mist. Window. Uh, <laughs> the Shining. I'm sorry, it took me a while to get there. I love that movie. I love The Shining. And that's even hard to consider Stephen King. Yeah, well, because of the adaptation from the screenplay. Yeah, yeah. The book is definitely better. Um, but it's you know Stephen King's name on it. Um, I digress. I I love Shawshank Redemption. Um, and to be to be fair, to be honest, I I I've seen the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and I know the iconic uh, uh, soundtrack that uh, that goes with it. But I don't know that movie very well, so I'm a lot of my emotions off of making this decision come from not just the score, but from watching the movie. So All right. that being said, I don't have a a, a, a good leg to stand. So on so the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly score is also one of the most uh, recognizable scores uh, in movie history. Yeah. I mean, it's up there with Star Wars, you know, score, and it's also up there with Jaws, maybe. But uh, it's definitely one of those, you hear it, and you just think of Westerns, and you think of Clint Eastwood, yeah. and you think of stuff like that. But when I, and, and, and to me, just um, with scores, is I'm thinking, okay, what can I listen to? That's an easy listen that I can listen to a lot. And I picked Shawshank Redemption because, to me, that score... Uh, is the definition of like beating adversity and uh, just accomplishing something and uh, uh, you know uh, doing something your own way it's motivating it feels great to listen to so for those reasons uh, would be why I would pick Shawshank Redemption convince us Chris okay <laughs> that's fair um, <laughs> now Good Bad and Ugly um, it was I, I watched Good, Bad, Good and the Bad the Ugly for like the first time about a couple years ago um, I was alone in my house, and I was like, well, it's on Prime. I've never seen this film before. I think it's about time I watched it. And I did not think the film was going to be as brutal as it was. I love Sergio Leone. I love his, his ideas. I love how he like films that action, and it's such a fantastic compliment because it showed the subtlety in Westerns. You don't need a giant do-do-do-do, do-do-do. You don't need like that kind of... I know that's Indiana Jones, you know, um, which is a good piece as well. Um, but that kind of Western feel, that kind of like the whistles and tones, you don't need that. You need just something very subtle, like very little, very minimal. And, um, I love the, the, the minimalism of it. The action of, uh, you know, Lee Van Cleef putting the pillow over a child's head because he can't see a child die and he puts the gun over and shoots him. Like, you know, it's so darkly demented, but understandable. You can't, you know... It's hard to see, and the music is just so, it takes its time so well with it. It's so cool, it's so embracing, it's one of the best in cinema. So that's why I like Good and the Bad and the Ugly. I will say, um, you push me a little bit more towards it, but overall the inspirational appeal <laughs> is uh, going to lead me to say fuck you, you're right. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to pick Shawshank Redemption. And let me tell you too about the Shawshank Redemption score. It is a very minimal, uh, very minimal too. It's very subtle. It's uh, it's almost somber in tone. It, it works perfectly with that movie. Um, you should definitely watch the whole thing. You should definitely mm-hmm. watch the whole thing through. Like yeah, it's you, entirety. Yeah, because like, you watch, because also... Um, like like Morgan Freeman in that movie too. I mean his his story and his story arc is so well done too. And you know when a protagonist's story arc is well done, but then you also got the side characters' uh, uh, um, story arc well done. I mean that's rare, you know. And uh, I mean you're rooting for both these characters, and yeah. you're essentially rooting for you know people that are uh, uh, criminals. Uh, and when you could do that, um, I feel like well it's just not much time about the movie, but you know I, I you know the score. You know, really makes you feel every emotion perfectly in that movie. 
I will say... Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. So, Shawshank Redemption 1, I will yeah. say that um, uh, I want to watch it again, uh, the movie again. But I also now want to see The Good, Bad, and the Ugly again. I it's been a while since I saw it. Plus, your monologue on, on, uh, on Westerns and score was articulated perfectly. So, Shawshank Redemption. I appreciate that. I still didn't fucking win, so... No, <laughs> he didn't win, but I mean... Just take was, your pants off. What? Was, <laughs> Shawshank Redemption is going on to the... Some kind of final to fight Inception. <laughs> we're like, we're it's moving on somewhere. Quarterfinals. Quarter okay. We don't know where we're talking. Okay, so the next one is going to be Inside Man and Grand Budapest. Is that? I apologize. Is this? Is that the full title of the movie? It's the the Grand Budapest Hotel. Hotel. That's what I thought. I, I didn't want to mess. Okay, so it's Inside Man versus Grand Budapest Hotel. I, I seen both the movies. I like them both. Um, and the scores are good on both. From what I, from what we heard before, I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Inside Man at, for right now. Uh, so that's what I'm going for. That's what I'm going to You're probably going for Inside Man. No well, question right? about it. Inside Man. I'm leaning, though. Okay. Well, I really like Budapest uh, Hotel a lot. I'm just going to start off by like stating my claim real fast. Uh, Inside Man. Love it. What's the composer's name again? Um, his name... Terrence, uh, Terrence... Terrence Blanchard. Blanchard, yeah. I was really hoping that he would win it this year. Because um, I love this score for um, Black Klansman. Uh, uh, Black Klansman. Black Klansman. Black Klansman. Um, That's, you just got to tell me that. And I'm extremely happy about Ludwig. Come on. But like, I definitely thought it was going to be Terrence's year uh, overall. Uh, Inside Man score, I love it. I definitely love photo ops. Um, I love that piece. And um, piece. I always I always liked... like He always has a subtlety to it. I wouldn't say minimalistic. I wouldn't say simplistic. It was very subtle. It's it's a lot. But he doesn't want to overwhelm you with it. Um I like that. I love Inside Man, but Grand Budapest, um, it has that very gentle tone to it. And the movie goes, it has its ups, it has its downs. It's super extreme. It's super light at times. It's very lighthearted. And next thing you know, there's a painting of a bunch of women like fingering each other in the other room. And <laughs> it's like, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, you know, it's, um, and you, you see Adrian Brody calling someone an F word and you see Willem Dafoe punching a bunch of people and cutting off fingers. Um, it's such it's, a good movie. It's it's... Such, and from listening to the score, you wouldn't expect that to come from this, from like that type of music. Yeah, the lightheartedness of it all. Yeah, but yeah. it definitely binds all of them together yeah. in a way that it's just like it feels so complete. And it's funny. It's a yeah. And it's such a it's a it, it's a film about a time period. Mm-hmm. It's a film about a, a piece of time that's definitely only in the mind of Wes Anderson. And I think Alexander Desplat, even though I'm sad that you know Mother's Bug doesn't work with Anderson anymore, um, he has bigger things. He's he, he did Thor Ragnarok the other like the last year. But uh, Alexander Desplat's like continues to get nominated, Oscar winning as well. So and uh, Terrence has fucking none. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say for Inside Man, it's uh, it's a, it's a really good movie. I like that movie. I, the reason I, I I chose this one is because Marcus would listen to this soundtrack all the time in his car, and it is a good soundtrack. It's uh, very fast paced. It's very. Uh, it's another heist movie. It's a. It's a mystery as well. You don't know what's go- what's happening until the end. So that score really gets me going. It's. It's. It's there. Uh, this was gonna be a tough decision for me. I. I'm. Because uh, I really like all of Wes Anderson's movies, and this one's one of the better. One of the better ones in my opinion. I. I really enjoyed this movie. Chris reminded me a lot of the stuff that that was in that movie, and it brought me back. Um, I like I like how funny it is. I like the story, all the different stories that were in that movie, and um, I will say I'm gonna th- I'm gonna reserve judgment before I make my final decision on this one. That's fair. Well, maybe I can convince you about Inside Man because what Inside Man does really well that I feel like uh, um, uh, that he uh, the man who composes the score, all right, what he did he was very experimental. I mean, he was able to integrate 
jazz and Bollywood together, which sounds great. And you and and you wouldn't think, yeah, and you wouldn't think that essentially that would work for. Why did he do that, by the way? Was there any uh, Bollywood? Uh, tones for that? I have no idea, but I was going it perfect. Worked. I was it going, worked. It worked. It worked really, really well. well. I don't know, but I was like, I was on a roll. I apologize. I was just, so, that was a genuine thought that I had. I'm blank. No, I'm playing. Um, <laughs> I just think it, it, like, for, for them to think, like, how does this work with a, uh, a, a New York movie, uh, uh, where there's a heist and it's a mystery and for them to incorporate Bollywood it's and jazz <laughs> and everything, it just sounds great. And it's also a very memorable score. Um, I think when anybody hears the intro uh, uh, to uh, Inside Man, I think people automatically know that it's Inside Man. So um, for that reasons, you know, I, I I think. But let me be fair: is that I've only I've I've only seen bits and pieces of the Grand Budapest Hotel, so I'm not very familiar with that score. Uh, I do remember that that score beat out Hans Zimmer uh, for Interstellar, and um, so it must have been a really really good score. I remember it being good. I remember but, enjoying the movie. I'm just going off of um, what uh, what I know from Inside Man, and you know, and it has it's a great score, great movie, and that's a great combination for me. I really like that you brought up the Bollywood influence. I didn't it was, it was, it was an important part of it. I mean, it. It was really interesting. Like it, it just works. You know, you defended it so well. I'm gonna have to still go with Grand Budapest. <laughs> <laughs> so Inside Man, Grand Budapest. Alex. Uh, I I uh. I'm the swing vote here, and I picked Inside Man, but I think after hearing what Chris had to say about it, I'm going to go with Grand Budapest. Well, you didn't hear what I was saying because you interrupted me. I did interrupt you, so, so there's, you there's really, an asterisk for this. W, so you didn't really but, hear anything. Okay, this will be talked about for years to come, the the battle between Inside Man and Grand Budapest. Well, I was, there was controversy between the game. I was, telling Chris, the I was telling Chris the other day when we were having brunch. About how you never let it down that I went to see Meet the Spartans instead of oh, I'll Apocalypto. You'll never forgive me for that, I'll which is completely that. understandable. Yeah. But anyways, I uh, let you down here though. I, I just didn't... also like that you, you you're like yeah, Chris and I were having brunch. It's like oh shit, because if I heard someone say I had brunch with someone, I'd walk away. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also in that conversation, so I'm like I I stapled myself. <laughs> I, honestly, I'm because I I want to go back and watch. Really both of I've seen Inside Man a lot, but I want to go back and see Grand Budapest again. Yeah, but what score do you remember? He already did. Grand, 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 Grand Budapest, honestly. I remember it now. After he talked about it. Oh, you remember those. it now? Oh, wow. Someone, someone's getting oh, yeah. a little triggered. Oh, wow. Grand well, Budapest this, this made it to the quarterfinals. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's going to go down as one of those games where did he catch it or did he not catch it? That's a football reference for anybody that doesn't. Heartbreak, including me. Yeah. Who's in yeah. the room? Past hotel. Des Bryant caught it in 2014 in Green Bay. Fight me. He did. Okay. Last. Okay. Moving on. The last, the last one in the in the main bracket. In the prelims. Prelims. Mad Max Fury Road versus Phantom Thread. I'm gonna go with Mad Max. Uh, I'm leaning more towards Mad Max only because I don't. I never saw the Phantom Thread. I know that the composer of this move, this movie, for the score. Was the guitarist for Radiohead? I don't even know his name, but I'm a big fan of Radiohead. I love Radiohead. I should know the guitarist's name. But I guess I'm not that big of a fan. Um, but I thought that was really cool. And uh, from what I do remember of hearing uh, the in the trailer of the Phantom Thread, I did enjoy it. I was I enjoyed it. <laughs> so I'll say that's where I'm leaning towards. I'm leaning more towards Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. Uh, easy decision for me. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, I did hear a snippet of um, some of. Uh, 
The Phantom, what was that movie Phantom called? Thread. Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread. I don't even know the name of the movie. Oh, the Phantom Thread did sound really great and um, something I definitely want to listen to, but uh, unfortunately, this is going to be like just a pure uh, yeah, what I know. And yeah. so I'm, I'm going to have to pick Mad Max. And the reason you know, we, all, we all chose five uh, movies, so it doesn't necessarily mean that we all saw all these movies. Maybe we should, yeah. but, but that's, that's the situation we're in. Well, not, these are. Both these choices were my personal choices because I love Fury Road and I love Phantom Thread. Um, Fury Road, like, you know, if I'm ever in traffic or something, I always listen to Brother in Arms and I try to plow through cars and <laughs> I'm on my 12th ticket now. I'm kidding. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> he's an angry um, driver. <laughs> he's an angry driver now. Um, but yeah, like, it's hard to not listen to it and just, like, match the visuals of, like, exploding rusty cars and, and just crazy white people. <laughs> it's, it's insane. I, I, I love the Fury Road soundtrack. With that said, Phantom Thread is like one of the best scores to come out in this entire millennium. It's it's such a piece of, of music that we haven't listened to for such a long time. I know there's a lot of classical composers that are still making music now that's so beautiful, like Reggie Sokamoto or, um, or uh, other masterworks that are still in contention. But, you know, you get Radiohead, which is the melancholic ballads of like a whole generation, and you get the guitarist Johnny Greenwood who's worked with, like, The Master. Johnny Greenwood. Greenwood. He's worked with... He's He did The Master. He did There Will Be Blood. This year, he made You Were Never Really Here with Lynn Ramsey, which is such a great movie. One of the movies that should have been nominated this year for Best Score, even Best Picture, Best Actor, um, Best Director. Such a great piece. Um, but Phantom Thread takes you back into a time of music and history that you weren't really unbeknownst to, especially in our generation that's so obsessed with pop culture like ourselves. And it made me want to look into more music, look into all of it, how he, how the process happened. And um, it's it's so influenced, it's in the twines of it. I Every morning I like to listen to it just a little bit um, to get my day started. It's like a gentle cup of tea, based, honestly. It's it's, a, it's such a sweet piece. So these, yeah. are, these are two very contrasting soundtracks. Extremely contrasting, but they still like register this piece of emotion that's always going to be in my head with them, and it sneaks up into my throat, and like I have no words. Anger versus what's the emotion from Phantom Thread? Have you had to describe? gentle, gentle? It's like aggressive. No, and it's gentle. like I don't know. Like it's yeah. very, it's very romantic, but romantic. it's also very toxic. So you're saying that? So it's um, like fucking and lovemaking. It's very spiteful. Hmm. The score for the Phantom Thread was uh, took a lot of influence from from. Uh, Old composers? Yeah, definitely from its time period. From its time period. That the film is supposed to be based in. And it's, just, it's unbelievable to listen to it and be like, this was made in 2018. Well, having, uh, having heard that, I must say that I, uh, I definitely want to watch The Phantom Thread. I, uh, there's no excuse why I haven't seen it yet. I love uh, Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> and for being his final film, I uh, wouldn't really consider myself a movie buff if I didn't wa- finish watching his complete work. So I. I am looking for after hearing what you had to say about it. I'm very looking forward to listening to the score. Um, my argument for Mad Max will be that uh, I saw this movie twice in theater, and it's a great movie. And yeah. the soundtrack is awesome from the very beginning to the end. It's it's an action movie, no doubt, and um, it definitely is very gritty and raw. Uh, so I feel bad for. Not giving Phantom Thread a, a fair fight, but I will say, uh, for Max. me, Mad Max. How about you, Marcus? I'll make it quick and easy. Um, I'll just go with Mad Max because pretty much that movie yeah. all around 
was very memorable. Uh, spe- um, I wanna, I so. wanna give you. The- <laughs> I was really hoping to turn both of you. I was like, maybe. You, I, I feel maybe. like you have. I just haven't seen. It. I haven't heard it. Yeah, but- I, mean, I mean, what you were saying about the Phantom Thread was very endearing, and it did yeah. sound. And I love, I love, love music like that because essentially that's what you know jazz is for me. You know, I put it on in the morning. While I do my morning routine, I feel very relaxed and everything, so... I can't hear you, I'm hanging myself. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> he's, he's putting the noose up. Okay. Well, so. I mean, shit, he had to give me one. I mean, he doesn't even remember the Grand Budapest uh, Hotel score, but he remembers the Inside Man score more, because I know for a fact, because he's listening to it he all the time, time in my, in my he truck. he reminded me of it. These are both my choices. <laughs> <laughs> I had to fight myself on this one. We should but, have put the but your argument was very good. Monsters, Inc. I would have gone for sure. <laughs> yeah, Man. yeah, for sure. Okay, well, that's just the luck of the draw. Okay, so um, Mad Max moves on to the somewhat finals. Whatever finals. Okay, so the whatever finals are. So we're going to base this one real fast. Okay. Let's just do like yes or no's on it. So basically, Lord of the Rings, X-Men First Class. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. I'm Fair sorry. Enough. Fair enough. It's what okay. was your vote? It was going to be X-Men First Class. Yeah. But also for the same fact of why you chose Mad Max, it's like, you know, I haven't seen Phantom Thread. I'd like to give oh, it yeah. to you. I would like to give it to you, especially after your piece about Lord of the Rings. Like, oh shit. And it's like, I don't know half the things he said, but I, I there's a lot of passion behind that. And, Lord um, of the Rings. I but, listen to Lord of the Rings score uh, daily in my truck. Yeah, but I hope you explore X-Men First Class if you haven't. Listen to it before. I definitely will after you it's, were talking about it's it. It's a fantastic. I love Henry Jackson. It's one of the best. Like, it's so good. I'll definitely listen to it. And it's Kingston sure. Square. Okay. Next, uh, one. next one is Jaws versus Back to the Future. I'm going to go with Back to the Future, even though I know uh, Jaws should be the winner. But I love Back to the Future. I love the score. So I'm going Back to the Future. Jaws is probably the most iconic score in history. But if I'm going to listen to something, it's going to be the Back to the Future score. Holy shit. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. I didn't even have to convince him. <laughs> I did not expect that. Yeah. I, I'm i like a... I feel like Courage Cowardly. I feel like I'm just like stuttering because yeah. I did not expect that. My pick was definitely Jaws. Put me down on the record whenever people start killing each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll move on. I'm just thinking what I could put on and listen to. There's yeah. only one part of the... I mean, what other part of the score in, in Jaws is... Other than... That one part where he says, uh, we're going to need a bigger boat. I'm playing. I don't remember. I love that. I love that part. It's a great movie. I like the part where he screams when he's getting bitten in the belly. Yeah. Oh! And the blood comes out of his mouth. That's part of the score. Well, well, you don't, I don't have to make you feel good. It's okay. I'm well, fine. well, I mean, I'm seriously, gonna... like one of the scariest parts in movies in, in cinematic history is when they're underwater and you see that face... In that boat. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. that was t- super Just scary. That was super scary. That's still scary today. You know, you know, I always think when I see that film is when he gets bitten in the belly and the bloke. I always. Think oh yeah, that. that's a nightmare to me. Okay, moving on. Inception, Shawshank Redemption. This one's a hard one for me. I'm gonna wait. Inception. <laughs> Inception. I'm gonna go down fighting with Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. Obviously, Inception one. But I prefer Shawshank. We didn't give you much time to decide. Like, I'm gonna wait on this one. We're yeah, I'm gonna think about it. I'm gonna hear. I'm gonna hear opinions. There's no opinion. Inception. These are gonna be really good to talk about. Okay, the last one in the whatever final, whatever you call it, Grand Budapest Hotel versus Mad Max. I will go with. Oh, this one's Mad Max. I'm going with Mad Max. Mad as Max. Well. Is sweet. I'm going with Grand Budapest Hotel. No, Mad Max. Mad Max. Mad Max. Fury Road. That would be funny. Actually, guys, I have seen the movie <laughs> a lot. All right, so here are the four finalists of the score, movie scores 
championships of March Madness. Lord of the Rings versus Back to the Future will be face will will be facing for a spot in the finals against and also Inception versus Mad Max Fury Rose. Okay, so are we doing this one quickly as well? Um, I guess a little bit. This one's probably going to be quick. This the last one can be a little longer, huh? Yeah, yeah, the last one's going to be pretty long. Um, I'm going to say Back to the Future just because of, like, you know, my ignorance. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm not... Now, if it was Jaws, there would have been a real fight here. But y'all didn't want one. Did y'all I... didn't want me to bring that heat. So <laughs> You didn't bring the heat when it was Back to the Future. What are you talking about? You, you just protested a lot. No, because you, you already said your piece. So I was like, I can't. I'm not going to. You oh, said, okay. that's it. And but I was you like, were going to do that here? You were going to fight here? Hey, okay. I'm, respect, I'm trying to be respectful. And I was like, hey. That's, well, your, that's your piece. I'm having a hard time here, too. You, Definitively, you... I'm picking Lord of the Rings. Easily. Oh, back to the future. That's also by default, so. You know what I mean? <laughs> Shit. Oh. You're making things harder for yourself, because you know it's going to get in the finals. I know it's going to get in the finals, and I'm ready for it. <laughs> I want to okay. talk about both movies extensively. Okay. I will pick. I'll pick Lord of the Rings. Okay. I love that movie. I love right. that score. I love Back to the Future more, but... Okay, Lord of the Rings is moving on to the finals. You did that. <laughs> you did that. I almost picked I almost picked Back to the Future just because it's my favorite movie. Uh, that would have made this very easy. Yeah. But we just made it very hard. Okay. Well, that's good. That's we good should make thing. it that's tough. Okay, yeah. Inception versus Mad Max Fury Let's Road. all say at the same time. One, two, three. Inception. Mad Max. <laughs> Inception. All right. Yes. Okay, everybody. That was like your bitch moment. Like, bitch. bitch. Inception. <laughs> all right. So, Lord of the Rings versus the unlikely hero, no, I'm playing. The masterpiece by Hans Zimmer, Inception. Okay, so Chris, obviously you're gonna pick Inception. Yeah. Because you have unfortunately have not seen Lord of the Rings. We so please articulate your passionate feelings about Hans Zimmer's Magnus Opus. <laughs> oh, Marcus. No, okay, no. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, listen. Okay, Hans Zimmer's made a lot of great pieces. Sadly, he's only won an Oscar for fucking one of them. Lion King. And that's Lion King, which is, I think, honestly, it's mostly Elton John's movie. Um, love that piece. Love that movie. But after that, the tidal wave, Batman Begins, The Prestige. Um, you go to all these pieces, Inception, uh, Interstellar, uh, Dunkirk, like all these movies and how he uses time um, and tribulations with it, and especially the song inside there is called Time. Um... It's fantastic. It's so it's so um, it's so much, but also so little at the same time. And you hear this music; it keeps on coming together. That boom, boom. It, it's almost forcing to get into your cranium. It's opening it up and it's saying, "Like, listen to me. Fucking look at me." Each time, and you know, I know a lot of people are gonna say, "Like, well, Nolan's the best director of our generation or of all time," and blah blah. Shut the fuck up. I don't really care. You know, I come for Hans Zimmer most of the time, to be completely honest, because I know when they're together. It's like, holy shit, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's insane. And um, it has to be Inception overall. It's his best movie because, like I said, it's a culmination of that movie. You're starting very light in that film. Then you're getting bigger and getting bigger with the music until it goes into a very subtle iteration of time, which is so good that Hans Zimmer recycles that same um, musical composition for other movies. Like, he did it for, like, 12 Years a Slave. And um, he... He keeps on going back to it because he knows it just works. If it's not broken, you know, don't fix it. Why fix it? 
he just he just does it in a different light so it could work. And when he gets the time at the end and he turns that top, it's you almost want to cry because it feels so perfect. And you know that that character does not care about if it stops going or not. Push me there, Chris. You're pushing me there. Yeah, fuck Lord of the Rings. I will say, I will say this. I will say, as of right now, I would think that Hans Zimmer is, overall, his body of work is definitely... It's it's up there with Howard Shore. It, it might be better. Uh, so I'm having a tough time with this one. His body of work is definitely better than Howard Shore's. It's better than Howard Shore, for in my, sure? In, okay. From my humble opinion. No, no, I, I agree. I love all this Cronenberg stuff. Cronenberg's like one of my favorite directors. But I will definitely agree that Hans Zimmer is one of the best people... Uh, one of the best composers. I'm super sad that I didn't get to see him in concert when he came to Sugar, was it Sugarland. Mm-hmm. Did you go to that? Hell yeah. Did you go to that? No, I did not. All right. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a tough decision for me. Um, but I will say that Inception is a great movie. That score is really good. The simplicity of it. You're right, Chris. It's at the end there when this top is spinning it's you're on the edge of your seat and the screen goes black and the score is still going you're like fuck what happened so it definitely it brings me all back to there um lord of the rings unfortunately is part of my childhood it it makes me fortunately fortunately unfortunately for sake of argument yeah for the sake of argument because i i do think like i just said i think that hans zimmer it's right to be biased hans zimmer is definitely the better composer in this one uh so it's really um you don't have to you know no I'm, I'm trying to convince myself as well i do feel that uh lord of the rings is overall about adventure and it no matter what i always get goosebumps throughout the whole film too i mean all the fight scenes were giving me goosebumps and it, it all goes with the score it's a uh, it's a triumph it's a masterpiece it's the reason it's one it's one of the most the last one was one of the most not heavily nominated and, and won one of the I think it was the movie that won the most Academy Awards. And, and the still. last one was just because it, the body of work itself mm-hmm. from the beginning from the top to bottom was, you know, it was an incredible. Ever since then, uh, Peter Jackson's phoned everything else in because he worked so goddamn hard on these three movies. And the Howard Shore is no exception. So I will go with Lord of the Rings as my pick for the final one. So Lord of the Rings... Howard Shore's score is a score that I literally listen to daily. I have the whole trilogy in my vehicle. I have a 2006 Toyota Tacoma and has a CD player, okay? And I have Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, and Return of the King inside my truck as we speak right now. It is top to bottom. He has the Inception soundtrack as well. Top to bottom, one of the... The best scores. The truth you won't want to admit. <laughs> ever in cinematic history, and it it just makes me feel like like Alex said, like I'm going on an adventure, and it makes me it, it has every song for how I'm feeling emotionally. You know what you're like right now? Hmm. You're like one of those like Republican senators that's yeah. like like closetedly gay, <laughs> but he's also like against gay rights. <laughs> that's such a harsh analogy. Uh, <laughs> it is like... a harsh analogy. <laughs> But with I'm definitely in the closet. Now. Yeah, like look, like so Howard Shore's score, I mean he did something incredible, especially going back to the Bridge of Casa Doom. It was so good. The intricacies of it all. But with that being said, Hans Zimmer's score for Inception created a genre of type of scores 
that are in movies in the early 2000s. This guy created such a bombastic, entertaining score in history to me. It was, it's so iconic in my mind, okay? When I went to go see Hans Zimmer in Sugarland, and, you know, he did his whole, that's my last song, guys, goodbye, see you later, and then when he came back, and you hear the boom, boom, you automatically know, you automatically know, <laughs> see, look, Chris, Chris just wrote down, he just wrote down right now, okay, uh, He's just yelling at the phone. That's that's what I feel. That's what I feel when I hear when I hear that score. And um and of course I'm being biased here because yes, Howard Shore's score is one of my favorite scores ever. I love Howard Shore so much, but Hans Zimmer is definitely my favorite favorite uh movie composer in history. And plus he's German and I'm German. So for that, that you didn't know. I am picking Inception as the wow. best score Inception ever wins. in cinema. Inception. Inception wins. What was your choice? Oh, mine, mine was Lord of the Rings. Mine was Lord of the Rings. Lord was Lord of the Rings? It was Lord of the Rings, absolutely. But Inception wins. Hats off to Inception. Uh, definitely an amazing. It was, a good, it was a good fight. Yeah, if I still had to, like, you know. Counterpoint? If I had to make counterpoint at any point, none of them, no other Howard Shore. Short parts like any none of them were in even nominations or in running. We had to really break down which Hans Zimmer one we wanted to put at the top. Yeah. So to yeah, say Inception was there's, a, there's so many. I wanted yeah, to talk about lot. The Dark Knight, but I I, I was worried there was too much uh, Christopher Nolan. I would talk a lot about Interstellar out of all of this because mm-hmm. you know I'm not even a big fan of Interstellar. That's not my favorite Chris Nolan film by a long shot. But Love that, that score movie. is. It's really so beautiful. Yeah, he, 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 he's a church organ. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, because it's like you said, Hans Zimmer does recycle a lot of his same stuff. But when he made Interstellar, it was a very unique uh, score. Didn't Nolan tell, tell him to, like, knock it off or something? What do you mean? Nolan told him something. He's like, you need to throw all this away. You need to do this. And for which one? Maybe. For Interstellar? For Interstellar. He said, uh-huh. like, I don't want you to go to your basics. You need to do something more. He wants him to do something When Christopher Nolan and Hans, Hans Zimmer collaborate, it's like a match made in heaven. So when, when he did the score... Uh, for the Dark Knight, uh, Christopher Nolan just sent Hans Zimmer a picture of the Joker, right? And that's it. He didn't get a script. He didn't know anything about the story. He just saw the picture of the Joker, right? And also for Interstellar, uh, the Christopher Nolan just told Hans Zimmer, "Hey, it's just a story about a father's love for his daughter." That's it. He didn't know that it was like a movie about space, uh, you know, interstellar travel and nothing like that. He didn't know. So for him just to come up with that and understand how Christopher Nolan's thinking, you know, says a lot about the man. And when they collaborate together, it's like, it's just like when Steven Spielberg and John Williams collaborate together, it's like perfect. Or Ryan Coogler and Ludwig, you know, getting together, like to me, it's like perfect. Three movies in? A lot more to fucking go. Yep. A lot more. Inception was the winner for the best score. That was a fun March Madness, guys. That was pretty fun. That was a fun. Um, and next time we should... Uh... Do completely different movies and and really try to watch all of them. That way, their, their fights are more fair. Yeah, I feel bad about Phantom Thread. Yeah, but y'all should watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but overall, that was pretty fun to get to do that March Madness uh, bracket. Uh, real fast, is there any honorable mentions of scores? 
Yeah, I mean, we, we, we kind of just talked about it. Interstellar, obviously. Yeah. Oh, you're just uh, going to go straight back to Hans Zimmer. Yeah, Hans I mean, Zimmer, John, all, all of, you know, Boomerang. I, all of, uh, I really did Power like Shores I really did like the Hans Zimmer score in Dunkirk because a lot of it was a ticking clock. And what's really cool is that Hans Zimmer used Christopher Nolan's uh, automatic timepiece to uh, help him score that movie. So I thought that was really cool. And going back to Interstellar in Time, uh, the song Mountains... Uh, each is how many years they've been on Miller's planet too. Sound like so a second dick. I, <laughs> that sounds like a uh, an interesting job. Um, My honorable mention will be uh, Spider Man. Which one? Into the Spider Verse. Ah, oh, great. Yeah. Great a lot. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. That was a good score. I was gonna mention Prowler. Yeah, the Prowler. Oh, the Prowler score. Yeah, with the motorcycle. Was so perfect. Yeah. That was cool. Somebody that I would have liked to bring up, but, you know, I knew that Phantom Thread wasn't really going to have any say. I just wanted to mention, I just needed to mention it out of all, but um, uh, really upset I wasn't able to mention Nicholas Brittle, who made Moonlight Score, and um, also made um, uh, Bill Street Could Talk. Uh, yeah, his his pieces are fantastic, and a lot of, like, horror, you know, like Goblin, didn't get to, get to mention Goblins, like Suspiria, uh, even Tom York's Suspiria is really good. Um, a lot of those Tangerine Dream, uh, there's a lot of big pieces, John Carpenter, a lot of big pieces in the 80s and the 70s that we really didn't get to talk about, but, um, maybe the next one. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. My name's Alex Salazar. My name is M to the A to the R to the Marcus Collins. My name is Chris Olvera. Thanks for listening.